rented an infinity and then that infinity was like involved in a murder they got hit with a RICO charge, right? So I was looking into this case. RICO, I think it came out in the 80s to combat the mafia. In that scenario, all right, RICO seems a bit more just mm. than it does going after Young Thug because his fucking like, Uber driver like did something <laughs> shady. This is a whole nother argument that's happening, I believe in different states now, where they're trying to say you can't use rap lyrics in court. All right, I'll give you the breakdown. How probative, and let's look at a, a song lyric where he's like, I shoot, I shoot that boy, I shot that boy, I keep that thing on me. How much does that tend to prove whether Young Thug actually committed a shooting versus Europe Energy Crisis? Did you hear what's happening in France? No. They're nationalizing their power companies. All right. Socialism in France. You about have to my... fucking happen. That's All right. Dory, you're going to put... Are you putting dry snitching allegations on Fetty Wap right now? What's cooking, everybody? I am joined in the bunker today by my friend Kevin Gallagher, a.k.a. the Miami Lawyer. Gallagher rolled through to break down everything on the Young Thug case, which, if you don't know, is a 56-count RICO indictment against the rapper and other alleged associates in Georgia that seems quite suspect, so we got deep into that. We also talked about the end of the Fetty Wap case, which now has a conclusion on Fetty Wap's end, at least. Talked a bit about Henry Ruggs, got into a company that was in the middle of the fentanyl crisis as well, and the case that was brought against them. And finally, also talked about China, because Gallagher is one of my go-to China guys. So, a lot in this episode. Love having the homie through, and I hope you guys enjoy. If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on the video, and I would love to hear from you guys down in the comment section as well. To everyone who's been sharing the episode, episodes thank you let's keep that rolling to everyone who is on apple or spotify right now thank you for checking out the show over there if you haven't already be sure to leave a five-star review on either one of those platforms that is a huge huge help and i really really appreciate you guys checking out the show finally if you have not gotten your eight sleep pod pro cover yet what are you doing the eight sleep pod pro cover comes in queen or king sizes it goes right on top of your current mattress and it is wired directly into eight sleep's proprietary app which measures your sleep stages throughout the night to optimize your sleep around you as i like to say you'll sleep six hours and feel like you slept eight so if you use that link in my description along with the code trendifier at checkout that's t-r-e-n-d-i-f-i-e-r you will get 150 dollars off your own eight sleep pod pro cover today and you will begin sleeping the best you ever have in your life. I promise you, you're going to love it. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory. This is Trendifier. And please welcome my friend, Kevin Gallagher. You know, I keep looking at all these cases coming up. I feel like the whole fucking government's going after all the greatest rappers. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, it's kind of wild. They put my boy Pooh in prison, free Pooh, absolutely innocent of all crimes that he did. I don't know why, you know, he they took tried a, a plea deal, but right, but they they pressured him into that. I think that that he maintains his innocence. He's on video in uh, both I, both cases. Listen, listen, that's neither here nor there. I think he maintains his innocence. That guy was in the wrong. The I don't security even think guard shouldn't Poo, have been there. Who shiesty thinks he's innocent? I'm pretty sure he thinks he's innocent. Julian. Either way, all right, we're gonna let that one go. But the one that I'm really looking at right now is the one that's actively ongoing which is the whole young thug thing so this one really surprised me because young thug you know i'm gonna have you explain the case and the details here but young thug is known as within the industry as a guy who is 
in addition to be connecting across uh, connected across different genres, he's somebody that puts people on. He's he's built not just his own platform as like an artist, but he's yeah. built a platform for other artists, extremely well liked. And this, you know, this whole thing that went down that you're going to explain, it was like it's a shock to me, and I don't really know what to think of it. Yeah. So first of all, to to your point where how he like brings people together, he is one of those like rare artists in hip hop that's kind of like I don't want to say genre bending because I feel like that's an overused term, but he is. Uh, he is in a sense, right? Because I mean, he'll ha- he has like weird songs where he'll sing a lot and he'll use like different melodies and mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and it's just like you certainly can't box him in. So that's kind of that had a lot of uh, broad appeal because a lot of people who just uh, might like your typical, you know, just like you know, spit sixteen bars and then a hook like type rapper. Like he was he was going off on on his own thing and doing it creatively, but also still coming with the bars because at the end of the day. You gotta have bars. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, true. That's true. That's true. But um, yeah, man. So him and Gunna got hit with a Rico charge. Oh, Gunna too. I almost forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Gunna. Arguably, I'm more into Gunna. Man, I love Gunna. Like, Gunna's great. Gunna's yeah, great. I think he's super talented. Um, but yeah, they got hit with a Rico charge, right? So I was looking into this case. Um, Rico. I guess I can break. It's Please, rac- racketeering. It down for racketeering. Yeah. Uh, influ- influential. Uh, corrupt organizations i think that's what it is yeah i'm not sure what it, the acronym is but i think it was i think it came out in the 80s to um it's a federal statute originally to combat the mafia right g robert blakey wrote it okay know? yeah it was the 80s right it was either the early 80s or late 70s i know he was working on it in the 70s same difference exactly yeah. what you said is right uh, yeah all right <clears throat> so it was aimed with combating the mafia because the the problem with prosecuting uh the mafia was like you know all these guys are have this criminal enterprise, and you know they're doing all these these things to keep this criminal enterprise. But like you you can't, you know they're so separate. You have this this hand doing this, this hand doing that. That it's like you can't you know really go after the beasts. You can only take down these like low level guys, and it's it was just hard because a guy talks to a guy who orders another guy, and then it's done. And it's like they don't record this shit. <laughs> exactly. So um, Rico tried to get to the heart of that right so in a rico case and this is a federal case and there's um the young thug and gunner are actually charged with the rico statute under uh uh georgia the, georgia has their own state statute that's modeled after the federal statute really I yeah I was, wait that's interesting i didn't know that yeah i mean i don't think it's that significant i just wanted to clarify i'm sure it's materially the same like i'm sure it's pretty much the same there aren't a lot of states that have their own, right? That's I think there are actually. Thing. I think there are. There are. I'll have to look at that. I have no idea about that, but that's. I, I didn't realize that. I thought it was. A, I thought this was. You know what? I knew it was a Georgia case, but in my head, for some reason, I until this moment where you bring it up, I kept on thinking from like a federal standpoint because they were throwing around the word Rico. Yeah, I mean, it's so I'm. I'm assuming it's the same, right? Because okay. it probably is. Because states have. Uh, Laws are so much more similar than states than they are different. You can basically – I don't know anything about you know Tennessee law, but I can guess it's probably 95% the same as Florida law, the same as Pennsylvania law. Like things, they People do things the same. But anyway, um, on a RICO charge, if you're, if you're being prosecuted for a RICO crime, basically the government wants to prove, um, one, that you're part of this gang and that – well, one, that like this gang exists – and that you're a member of this gang. So what are they accusing 
Young Thug, though. He's the head of a gang. YSL. YSL. Okay. Is a gang. I don't know why it's uh, like, All right, we'll, we'll get to that, but continue with the is things. It y- I know Young Stoner Life. Maybe that's what it stands for. I don't I'll know. clarify you can, that. You, you can, continue with the things that Rico. All right. Um, but yeah, basically, so basically you want to, um, you allege that someone's, uh, that there is this gang that exists, this criminal enterprise, and that the person you're charging is a member of this criminal enterprise. And when you have that, um, the way that Rico is written, basically, any act by any member of this gang or criminal enterprise that's in furtherance of this gang, any criminal act, um, any member of this gang can be charged with, basically. Right? So, like, think about it this way. It's kind of crazy. You and I, we get together, um, and we say, yo, we're going to form this gang. We're going to do bad shit. We're going to do criminal shit. Me, Kevin and Julian, like, all right, we're going to, like, rob stores. We're going to do, like, whatever. We form it tonight, we shake hands, we form the gang. Then we're like, all right, peace, I'm going home, whatever, see you. You're like, all right, I'm chilling at my house. Then I go and do some shit that I don't even talk to you about, that you don't know about, that you didn't explicitly agree to. So say, we just say we're going to form this criminal gang, we're going to do hood shit. But then I say, you know what, as I'm driving home, I'm like, I want to rob this liquor store. I'm doing it for the gang of Kevin and Julian. And I d- rob this liquor store and I and I objectively am doing it for the gang. Then you can be charged with that. How do they determine that though? I mean, it's hard to determine. I mean, you get, you have to determine. So like we're talking about like state of mind and like circumstantial evidence and all that shit. So it's like, it's, you know, it's not easy to determine. You can't read someone's mind, but like there are ways you can determine that. Hypothetically though, let's use that same example you did. If I, ra- what was it, rob a grocery store, you said? A liquor store. A liquor store, okay. So if I rob a liquor store and I'm doing it, they're trying to say you're doing it for the gang of Kevin and Julian. Yeah. If Or if you rob it, as you said. You rob it, you then bring the bounty back to our pad. Well, that's, so right? that, that would be good circumstantial up. evidence. Yeah, that's, okay. I mean, again, uh, you know, there's no, we could go through a million hypotheticals, but th- yeah, that would be something that would be good evidence, right? Um, if I told you about it after the fact and you didn't, uh, reprimand me if, if there's a bunch of stuff like that. So as far as the young thug case, one of the main things is there's this murder that took place in like, I think 2014 or 2015 mm-hmm. where young thug rented a, um, a vehicle. He rented like a, I think it was like an infinity or something. Yep. And he's, yep. you know, you don't know about this. I know what you're talking all about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Explain this. all right. So I guess I'm getting it right. Uh, he rented an infinity um, he signed like the contract, whatever, and that's some of the documents the prosecutors are using. And then that infinity was like involved in a murder, and they're trying to say. And then there's an informant that's saying that he like Young Thug like confessed about it. How was it involved in a murder, like a getaway car or something? Yeah, I think it was just like they pulled up on someone and they got out and shot him, or they shot him from the vehicle and then they pulled away. But it was like involved in a murder. You, uh, quick question in the middle of this. Yeah. Do you think that, like, you you know how the music industry works sometimes, okay? Yeah. These guys. Well, not re- I mean, I, it depends I know what just parts fan, of it yeah. you're looking at or whatever, but within rap, it's a common theme that guys will make it out of the worst neighborhood and props them for doing it. And they got a lot of friends. Maybe some of the friends aren't involved in great stuff, but those are their boys. They hang around the studio. While they're recording and having fun, it's a part of the vibe. By the way, some of your favorite songs ever made 
that's how it's getting made. Guys are sitting around the studio. There's 20 of them in there. They're friends since they were kids. Only one of them is the actual rapper or two of them, whatever. And they make a song. Is The thing that my mind's been going to in this and is And you would that, know because you chilled in the studio with Monty. Yeah. Great time. Great time. Good that's, guys. That's but, but like... The, the thing my mind went to with this is that what if there because the label is literally called like what well, one of his labels I guess is called like YSL Youngstar in Life by the way that's why I checked it what it stands for I thought it was right. because of that then they try to say well oh then these gang members who he may have grown up with and know they named a gang allegedly YSL and did all these things in the name of YSL when in reality he's sitting there at the studio putting on you know, and passing out bread to his boys or whatever, and then they're going out and doing whatever the fuck they do, and he doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean, so I think that's a good argument in defense of Young Thug, because um, I think you would just, yeah, I think that's exactly what you would say. You'd be like, look, he's a, you know, multi, you know, platinum, I'm assuming he's multi-platinum musician. Um, he's He's doing all this stuff. He just, like, has people around him at all times, and he, you know... He cannot be responsible or even know or has no, like, has not formed any criminal, like, enterprise with these people. He's just, you know, he came from an area where, you know, some right. some people maybe don't have the best intentions at all times. And maybe, you know, come from a different, comes from a different way of life and maybe associates with these people, whatever, knows these people. Maybe even, like, hires some of these people, but it doesn't mean that he's he's, like, some orchestrator or some member of some gang. And I think that's, like... To me, I think that's going to play well in front of a jury. I think that the prosecutors are they're super gung ho right now, um, but I think like you get a jury of your peers in front of you. You know, this is Fulton County, Georgia, which is Atlanta. I think you get people in Atlanta. They're like, yeah, I don't think Young Thug is you know some like criminal mastermind. So that's my that's my thoughts on that. Um, I don't th- look. He's how does he have time to do any of this stuff too? That's what I'm saying, bro. Like they're making him out to be now. Look, in in fairness, if we're gonna be fair and balanced here, when they did this whole raid or whatever it was, same day where they went to all these guys' houses, including Young Thug, yeah, they found stuff in his house they shouldn't have, and he got charged with some of that. And he'll have it's the kind of stuff where if that was the only charge. He'd probably work out like some probation, community service, some sort of little record, whatever, and things would get under the rug. And it's not a good look, but like, all right, a rapper owning some guns is not – that's not the first time I ever heard that one. But, you know, the the they just tack that on to everything else. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, it's not completely implausible that he could be a part of said conspiracy. Like I can't say it's impossible – but yeah, like why? Why? Even though he has power as a celebrity with a lot of money in the music business, why the fuck would some of these guys even put up with him allegedly taking these enormous cuts when clearly, you know, his mind's not even in the job half the time? At least, like yeah. some of it just doesn't. It doesn't add up to me. It doesn't add up, man. Like the whole thing with the rental car. Like, I mean, you're a rapper. You have like an entourage, whatever. Like you. You like you give the keys to whoever you know, and they give them to whoever, and then like they were trying to say like they have his like cell phone data data. Excuse me. Um, oh really? I I don't know about this. 
I think I read something about like they were trying to like pinpoint his like cell phone location the like with this particular murder. How many cell phones does Young Thug have? Seriously, like I have one cell phone, but I'm not a I'm not Young Thug. I'm not a rapper. I would he probably he probably has, he a, probably has a few cell phones, right? I'd Do say, they have? I would say maybe a few is excessive. I'd he probably say gets a new, a new cell phone every month. Honestly, he's got a couple. Right. So like, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? And like, I I just think it's all it's all. Um, Maybe if, maybe if this evidence were, if I rented a car and then someone did a murder with it, then yeah, maybe it'd be like, why did someone murder someone with the car you just rented? And, you know, I, it's going to be hard for me to explain that. But Young Thug, he's like traveling, touring, doing all this stuff. He's got like people hitting him up. He's got different cell phones, different cars. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, I think it's, it's pretty easy to defend from that avenue. Now, I haven't seen all the facts. I don't know, but, and, and I don't even know how Gunna is tied up in this. I have there's not much about Gunna. Yeah, there really isn't. Like no one really knows anything. He just got arrested with it, and he's been attached to Young Thug's label. Well, for that's the a whole thing. Time. Like exactly. Like if you can just prove, as, as I understand Rico, if you can just like prove or like you just allege that he's a member of this gang, then they're all then they're all liable for all the activities of every member that's in furtherance of this gang Here's which the- is crazy rico's super broad it's like crazy broad and people don't realize how like how broad it is and like how much power the like government yields right. when they they come down on you with that rico it's it's a very impressively put together legal maneuver and i fully understand like g robert blakey is I always forget if it's Blakey or Blakely. I hope I didn't get that wrong. But I don't even know who that he's, is. He's a. You actually should know who that is. You Maybe sh- I should. You usually know who like everyone is in law. But that's a guy. He's. I think he's a professor now at one of the maybe Cornell something like that. Damn. But he's. I'll look him up. He wrote the wiretaps law too. Like he's been he's been around. But that dude, when he was writing that law, you know, it's hard for us to maybe remember. Well, not remember it. We weren't alive, but. You know, this was in the night he was working on it in the 1970s when the Italian American mafia had their grip on the entire fucking country. You know, they were everywhere and they couldn't take these guys down because they couldn't get, as you were pointing out earlier, from the soldier to the boss. Everyone knew La Cosa Nostra existed. Everyone knew that Carlo Gambino and fucking uh, fucking Frank Costello and before that, Lucky Luciano and Al Capone, like these guys were clearly calling shots. They were part of. A gang that came from another country, the same country, came here, did their thing, but they couldn't prove it in court. So they made it, and this is what allowed them in the late 70s, 80s, and early 90s, all the way from the Donnie Brasco raid, where he was undercover with with the Bananos for a long time and almost became a made guy, and then all the way through John Gotti being found guilty in, I guess, like 92 or 93. This is what allowed all that to happen. Sure. Right? So in a way, it's clearly a brilliant maneuver for something that was absolutely a problem. And I'm not a lawyer. I haven't sat there and read the minutia of it. But I do wonder how much of it can then get stretched to other things that it wasn't created for. Yeah. That then, you know. That's exactly what I was thinking. You you think of Rico and it was aimed for this La Cosa Nostra, right? So what did you have to do to be a member of this gang? You had to like... You had to work your way up for years, like yep. gain the trust of everyone in the families, yep. and then you had to have this like formal ceremony where you like draw blood and yep. you're like you're you know you're in this thing of ours, whatever, till you die, whatever, and that's like a hard like entry point, right? And at that point, it's like you 
you basically are agreeing to like i'll do whatever for this family and like whatever they do is on me so like in that scenario i'm not saying i don't necessarily agree with rico but i'm just saying in that scenario all right rico seems a bit more just Mm. than it does going after young thug because he's fucking like like uber driver like did something (laughs) shady you know what i mean Hey guys, if you're enjoying this episode, please be sure to share it around on social media and with your friends. Sharing the show is the best possible way we can get this thing to grow. So thank you to every single one of you who have been doing that each week, and thank you to all of you who are going to do it now. Yeah, yeah, that sounded very, like when I heard that part, it sounded circumstantial. There was, there's like all kinds of news, like if you look behind you, there's shit like this that's floating around that I can't even verify like the whole got recorded on wiretap after police helped an inmate sneak a cell phone into jail like there were all kinds of entrapment things going on that sometimes by the way are because the cops do have the detectives have great evidence that this is happening and then they just need to get the actual physical evidence like a wiretap so sometimes it's perfectly fair other times it can paint a picture of somebody or force someone into a situation that looks sketchy and like with wiretaps i've cited this a bunch of times on the podcast but like the judge in the raj raj ratnam case after it was over had a quote that's like pretty telling where he first of all he should have never let those wiretaps stay in that case that's a different story but he was being asked about it in the media afterwards and he said yeah it is a tough one because he's like especially when you're wiretapping someone for a long time you get to go through thousands of hours of tapes and it's very easy to find a quote take it out of context where you say i'm coming over for dinner at my mom's house at five o'clock and you sound guilty as fuck of something right code word is something and so i again i look at this one and that there seems to be you know there's a wiretap element to it and everything and it feels like it feels shotgun because the other thing and this part you're really gonna have to help me with but When you look through the actual, like, specifics of it, I'm looking at Vulture right now. So it says all 28 individuals named in the indictment were charged with conspiracy to violate the state RICO Act or uh, by participating in a pattern of illegal activity to obtain money and property. The Georgia law, close as you said, this is correct. Georgia law closely resembles its federal counterpart and was created with the aim of ensnaring large criminal organizations like the mafia. Is the mafia even in fucking Georgia? They're not even in Georgia. That's bullshit. I'm sure they they had their hand in They had two people in there at a fucking strip club hanging out. Anyway. Taking bets. According to the Times, this is not the first time Willis has sought RICO charges. No, there was a part. Fuck. Oh, here it is. This is what I want. The 56-count indictment claims that YSL members were involved in murder, attempted murder, armed robbery, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, theft, drug dealing, carjacking, and witness intimidation. Notably, the indictment portrays Thug, Young Thug, as something of a mob boss. He is alleged to have committed multiple crimes that he is not being charged with, while Thug is not being charged for these quote-unquote overt acts, unquote, which include possession of methamphetamine with the intent to distribute and threatening to kill... He probably had an Adderall case and threatening to kill a man at a mall. They lend credence to the allegation that the collective was engaged in a criminal conspiracy. So that's very interesting. They are not charging him with the things that they are speaking about publicly and saying this is why we're charging him with RICO, but they're charging other people with those specific crimes and because those crimes happen, they're at the same time without charging Young Thug trying to say, but you're responsible for it. 
Yes. Um, I'm not sure if I understand what you just said. Say that one more time. Yeah, that was convoluted. That, that wasn't a good explanation. So, publicly, they're saying Young Thug is this mob boss. He's the head of this whole conspiracy. Sure. The connotation is everything that happens probably came from him. Therefore, he's responsible for all of it. Just like when we see these mafia bosses go to prison for their whole life for murder. They never pulled the trigger. They ordered it, right? But in the charges, unlike in those cases where they charge those mafia guys with a full RICO act where the – I believe they make the language like murder and whatever. In this case, they're not – it says specifically they're not charging Young Thug with any of that. They're just charging him with some of the counts on the actual RICO laws to say like, oh, he's just very, very involved. Therefore, instead of like some of the mob bosses who were looking at life in prison, he's not, but he's still looking at a serious case here. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just took it as it's easier to build the case that he is part of this gang if you just like name all these. So like when you have like a... Criminal information or like indictment, whatever you like, you make like allegations, like you put like like a numbered list of like he like yeah. Young Thug is alleged to have done this, like whatever. So I I just took it as like they're just putting all this stuff on there just to kind of like paint the picture that he is involved with this this YSL gang, um, and like it just further adds uh, credence to that uh, to that allegation without necessarily saying like all right. Like we're gonna mention that he did all this this shit with the methamphetamines and like whatever, but we're not gonna like actually charge him with that. But like that's just gonna p- further paint the picture. It's just more like surrounding evidence that's just like he's this figure. That's how I took it. I don't know from what I just read there. I could be missing the mark, but no, because there's still a lot we don't know. So we have to hedge. You know, we're we're gonna. There's no case that's been made in court yet. We're just hearing the original indictment and allegations, and there's more shit coming out. But like, you know, they also didn't grant him bail. Or yeah, anything. I was just, I was. Damn, you read my mind. I was just about to say that. Interesting, you didn't get bail. So I'll I'll break that down. Basically, Please. again, I don't know Georgia law specifically, but I know you know three states, enough states. Um, there's two purposes of bail, right? So bail is um, one purpose is to reasonably uh, assure the defendant's appearance at court, right? Um, and then the second purpose of bail is to um, protect uh, the community at large or specific individuals in the community. So like that, those are the reasons of um, that's not bail. That's those are the reasons for like pretrial detention, right? Right. So. Um, if an individual is charged with the crime, you want to make sure that they're going to appear at the next court appearance, and you want to make sure that um, the community is safe. Um, and if you can assure those things, then they should be allowed, you know, um, to be free until their next court appearance. So the judge overseeing this case uh, found one of those two things to to not be uh, true. Again, this is probably public information. Like, I could probably find this out. Mm-hmm. But I imagine it was the first one, right? Because um, he has money, resources. Um, he, he's, you know, he... He can get on a private jet and just dip, right? You know, he's yeah. he's 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 basically like I imagine Young Thug has a lot of pull and sway in Atlanta, and like he can do a, a lot of things. Um, so they're probably the the prosecution probably argued like, all right, like 
you know, he's got a lot of money, got a lot of resources. Like, we don't know that, you know, you can assure that he's going to appear next time. But I think, does that also depend on when they make that argument and the judge agrees with the prosecution? I would imagine the judge is taking into account the nature of the crime. So, like, the prosecution argued the same thing with Raj's case because he was worth $3 billion and, you know, could go anywhere at the drop of a hat. But the judge granted they made the bail fucking a hundred million dollars, but he granted him the bail because it wasn't I assume because it wasn't a violent act. In Young Thug's case, because he's being charged with Rico with the connotation that there's all kinds of violent acts happening below there, does that then make the judge go, you know what, I'm not even gonna give a high number for bail because if Raj Rajaratnam gets away, that's fucked up in the judge's mind if he's guilty of this stuff. But if Young Thug gets away, like, what if he goes and kills somebody based on the allegations? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the, the second uh, part, like um, the safety of the community or like specific individuals. Mm. So, um, yeah, I guess if someone's uh, accused of violent crimes like that, that would uh, that would factor into it, certainly. Um, but it, it, again, it all depends. Um, and there's there's like so many like measures you can take you can do like ankle monitor you can like right. surrender your passport you can do like like a lot of different things like uh like house arrest like like there's so many different things that you can um do the fact that he's sitting in a prison cell is interesting uh it's 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 super interesting um and it's yeah uh, you know again i didn't i didn't listen to the bail hearing and it can change here's the thing um, they can uh, they can file motions and they can have another a second bail hearing if circumstances change um, and they can you know move to have uh, you know different conditions imposed and and have him him or gonna whatever released but um, for now it looks like yeah they're they're still in jail and they've been in jail for a number of months so they've tried it twice originally in June I was just pulling this up while you were talking originally in June they weren't granted it bail because they were worried about witness intimidation so, so that then, i mean that's again it, it covers with the two purposes reasonably um assure appearance and then safety of community or like specific individuals yeah if there's evidence of like of witness intimidation then that would be like a textbook reason to say like no yeah you're staying behind bars if that if there's credible evidence and again bail hearings the bear the the evidentiary evidentiary standard at a bail hearing is um it's not like trial, so you can just basically like the prosecution can just put someone on the stand and and you know basically uh, there's like hearsay evidence comes in, all types of evidence comes in, right? It's not it's not like a regular trial, so the evidentiary standard is a lot less. So, but if I mean there has to be some supporting it, you have to have some evidence. You can't just say, oh, he's young thug, he's gonna hurt right. witnesses. You got to have some witness. You got to have something, some evidence. So at some point, there there definitely was some evidence that the judge considered. And well, there was an eighty-eight page indictment where they're saying yeah. he's the head of the organization, and the evidence that the judge is considering is that they're alleging that he is the head of this organization. Where then all the crimes that are listed in that indictment, therefore under a RICO statute, point back at him. Yeah, and it, I guess I get that, but like. I pulled up the article about the about the third denial in August that just happened, and this is – it actually took the words out of my mouth because it's the next question I'm going to have for you. So it says 
Young Thug has been denied bond release for the third time since he was arrested in May. During the first two hearings, the presiding judge ruled that Young Thug could not be granted release because of the belief that he holds a commanding position in the gang. The indictment alleges the Grammy Award-winning rapper was the supposed founder of the Atlanta gang YSL since 2012. Since then, he was denied release because of the judge's fear that he would be tampering with and intimidating witnesses involved in the case. And in the recent heated hearing, Thug's legal team argued – this is what I want to ask you about – argued that the prosecution attributed the song lyrics that were used by the court to indict him as misrepresented. He has been claiming since the previous hearings that he did not write the verses in question. Now – this is where my question is. All so right, let's get here. I, and by the way, I don't believe him that he didn't write them. I also don't care that he wrote them. It's fucking rap. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole big thing. And to support his legal position, if in fact he's right, I'll say, okay, he didn't write them. But this is a whole nother argument that's happening, I believe, in different states now. All the time. Where they're trying to say you can't use rap lyrics in court. What the fuck do you think people do? They they make they make songs that are based on themes that work for marketing and based on themes that they may have experienced growing up. It doesn't mean like just because you say like, "Ooh, I'm called Young Thug. I'm a thug. I'm I'm running the game. We YSL, baby." It doesn't actually mean, like they're probably sitting there sipping on fucking Hennessy. His boy is in a gang and he's like, "Oh, we YSL. We out here, baby." And that's it. And now they're trying to say in court, "Oh, look, he admitted to all his crimes in his lyrics." Like, is this a realistic thing that they're going to be able to pull this kind of stuff from evidence? All right. So, let me I'll give you the breakdown. Break so, it down, baby. Here we go. So, first, what we just read involved using rap lyrics at a bail hearing, right? So I just – what I just said, at a bail hearing, evidentiary, evidentiary – why can't I say the word evidentiary? I can't either. Yeah. The evidentiary standard is much lower, right? So you don't need – you can – hearsay comes in, stuff that would normally be too prejudicial, too in, inflammatory for a jury, whatever. That can come in at a bail hearing. It's like so, a grand jury versus a regular jury, kind of same parallel. Sure, right? That's a good, um, yeah. you know, comparison, I guess. Uh, but yeah, basically, just like lo- way lower threshold, right? So anything that's pretty much just like anything basically comes in at a bail hearing. Not anything, but whatever. Um, so this is being talked about this article at a bail hearing. So that's one point. I just want to draw the distinction there, but. If we're talking about using like rap lyrics at a trial, um, any time any piece of evidence that that is uh, introduced at trial, there has to be a balancing um, test, right, for that evidence. Is it um, more probative than it is prejudicial, right? What's, what's probative? Probative means does it tend to prove something um, like a fact at issue at the at the trial? Is it more? Uh, does it better help prove something? versus how prejudicial is it mm. and prejudicial meanings how much does it hurt hurt the party right so so how how um prejudicial how likely would the jury um make other inferences from that piece of evidence that have nothing to do with proving facts yeah. right yeah. so um uh, for instance how probative and let's look at a, a song lyric where he's like where he's like let's say like i shoot i shoot that boy i shot that boy <laughs> I keep that thing on me. Whatever it is. All right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Right? How probative is that? How much does that tend to prove whether Young Thug actually committed actually committed a shooting versus how likely is the jury to take to make an inference from that that um you know is improper, right? So that's a balancing test that every single piece, every single piece of evidence 
uh, goes through. What was the second one? There's probative and then what Versus was the... prejudicial, right? Okay, and what's the, how does that work? So prejudicial is, uh, would the jury make like an, um, just like an improper inference from that, right? So it's like, I guess with the, like, I shot that guy, like they could infer that that meant that Young Thug actually shot someone, but that would be, you know, versus the, f- that, that is, very prejudicial, right? Someone yes. saying I shot someone, but it's in the context of a rap song. Is that really probative of anything? So, okay, that's a really good way of laying it out. So I understood that. So, and you can look up. So look up on your computer right yeah. now. Look up Federal Rule of Evidence four zero three. Federal. That's why I love having you in here. You give me the fucking goods four zero three. Yes. Sounds very official. Is that does that look right right there? Yes, the court may exclude right, me, relevant let me, evidence. Let me click the full yeah. thing so you can read it. Okay, go ahead. The court may exclude relevant evidence if its probative value is substantially outweighed by a danger of one of more of the following. Unfair prejudice, confusing the issues, misleading the jury, undue delay, wasting time, etc. But the big one, because it's, it's called the 403 balancing test, is probative versus pre- and it's unfairly prejudicial. Mm. Right, because because pieces so a piece of evidence might be prejudicial, meaning that it, it hurts your client, yes. right? So like just because something hurts your client doesn't mean that it shouldn't come in. Because like if it hurt prejudicial, the word prejudicial, uh, I mean like look if if the, there's a uh, you know a videotape confession of Young Thug saying I killed someone, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty prejudicial, Young Thug, but it's, but it, it's not unfairly <laughs> prejudicial. It's yeah. not like the jury's making the wrong inference, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. So this is what's really interesting about this one, though, is it is so subjective. I'm talking about the judge right now. Yep. The judge no, it comes down to the judge. It comes down to the I mean, look, I, I clerked for a criminal judge, right? And, like, we dealt with this stuff all the time. And, like, pretrial motions, a lot of this stuff comes out in, in pretrial motions, right? And that – so what's good about this is, like, when Young – if Young Thug is eventually tried, they will uh, – the attorneys will likely hash this out prior to trial so like you can keep the the jury out of those types of decisions yeah because you're talking about all this where we're at all pre-trial hearings right now so there's no jury but you're talking about hypothetically the evidence that's going to be allowed at trial yes so when we're looking at the rap lyrics you know have there been rappers before even guys who are known not just like you know some somebody no one knows who have rapped about things that are very illegal that they actually have done yes i mean yeah. how many times on I, you don't even have to give me a percentage though how many fucking lyrics have been put out there that a dude never did never had any part of he's putting in a fucking rap song it is overwhelming in that direction so now a guy's on trial the actual federal government well in this case the state of georgia has made a huge case well, now it seems relevant, right? But just because they made a case, if they if they made a case where they're basing a lot of it off his rap lyrics, it it could very well be bullshit because you also have to take into account, like we were saying at the outset of this, where is he from? Who are some people he was friends with when he was growing up who maybe he doesn't stop from hanging in the studio right now? And how much fucking responsibility does he have for what they do? Listen, I have some friends who do some things that, you know, maybe I don't, I don't agree with. It's not, you know, I don't judge how a man makes a living. That's not up to me. Who are your but like, friends, dog? Don't worry about it. But I'm saying, like, 
if suddenly someone came in here and said, we got you, Julian, you're the head of the fucking trend fire conspiracy because this guy was not going to say whatever, but doing X, Y, and Z. Like, I'd be like, so I let him hang out in my studio. I'm fucking guilty of the shit. Like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you, right? So, like, there, uh, I think, and you can look this up. I think there was legislation proposed or passed in New York to to uh stop this very thing from happening um but what um and i'm just playing devil's advocate right so what's the flip side then um you're shaking your head what was no, it yeah yeah i'm shaking my head in agreement just because you asked me to pull that up oh yeah so let's read this article off i'm gonna put it up right here go ahead it's but behind, it's behind you oh yeah new york senate passes bill preventing prosecutors from using rap lyrics against rappers in criminal cases yeah yeah um right there word does New York have a house? Is it is it passed? I don't know how. I don't know. A bill was passed in the New York Senate prohibiting prosecutors from using lyrics rappers use in songs as evidence against them in a criminal trial. The bill now heads to the state assembly where it will become a law if it passes there. This is in May. So Senate right. bill whatever, whatever, whatever was passed by a 38 to 23 vote. The bill limits the admissibility of evidence of defendants create. Okay. A defendant's creative or artistic expression against such defendants. So that that's more than just rap lyrics. That it's can like, cover other things. Sculptures, <laughs> sculpting some inc- incriminating shit. <laughs> but oh, wait a second. Hold on. This is we're gonna talk about this. Earlier this year, People obtained a letter from Jay Z's Team Rock attorney Alex Spiro and University of Richmond professor Eric Nielsen that showed entertainers Jay Z. Meek Mill, Killer Mike. I got to talk to you about Killer Mike off camera. Right. Big Sean. I'm a fan. Kelly Rowland, Robin Thicke, Fat Joe, and Yo Gotti signed the letter sent to lawmakers that states that reform is urgently needed. So this is interesting. Rock Nation is on this one. And you you haven't seen the McMonagle thing, but you and I talked about like yeah. his thoughts on that. That's cool. They don't yeah. fuck around with that shit. Like, no, they're, they're very they're active. It. Yeah, I respect that. Um but yeah, my two cents on this is right. So I probably agree with like a law like this. But then I'm just gonna play devil's advocate, Go right? Ahead, please. Are we? Do we really want a system where if someone is, uh, you know, they've done serious crimes and then they just like they they directly talk about it in their rap songs? Do we want a system where that can't come into a court of law? I don't. And 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 having said that, mm. I honestly don't think it's that big of a deal, right? Because it's not like that's the only evidence or that's like even a linchpin of evidence right like if someone commits these crimes that they're being charged with there's gonna be other evidence right you're gonna need other evidence i don't know what the import of just someone saying like i I shot that dude whatever you know i do think it's unfairly prejudicial right because I, i exactly what we're talking about i think a jury a jury hears that and they they hear that and they make the inference oh wow if he said it it must be true but really, it's just it's a, it is an artistic expression. Right. So like I think like I mean the rules of evidence basically already had like a safe uh, like a safeguard for this this type of scenario. But um, yeah, how about this? Just throw this out there, and maybe I'm not thinking of some examples where this wouldn't fit the bill fairly, but. If you're building your whole case based on rap lyrics, you don't have a case. No, no, no. You definitely well, why can't you do Look, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because it's fucked up. It's not hard to get wiretaps in this country. 
These guys have no problem in these secret courts getting wiretaps. Yeah. Go get, and there's allegedly like some wiretaps or something, but again, we're not hearing much about that right now, so we'll have to see what that is. But like, go get your fucking wiretaps. Why do you need the rap lyrics? If they're going to say it on their fucking phone, that's a lot better than rap lyrics. Like, I, guess what? People don't put their lyrics on the phone unless they're literally singing the song to their friend, like, hey, what do you think of that bar? That's that's a fact, because you say, and the devil's advocate's fair, you're saying like, well, you know, what if what if that's a good place to spot where people are literally admitting stuff? Okay, but again, I'll go back to my first argument. I think it's a minimal number of people doing that. So if you want to find the exceptions to the rule and then make that the whole rule, that's a problem to me. Whereas if it were the other way around, whereas usually a rapper who says something on there, they're actually doing it, let's say 90% of the time, then it's a different conversation. I don't think that's the case. I think these guys are literally... Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I've seen it in person. Like they're, they're making shit up sometimes. Yeah, and I don't know what this legislation says. Like, if it says anything that's in a song can't come into evidence, but it's it says it limits the admissibility of evidence of a defendant's creative or artistic expression against such defendant in a criminal proceeding, and it's in quotes. So I imagine that's probably in the text of the bill. Right. That doesn't mean shit to me. I mean, we just went through we just went through 403, right? Which basically, you know, in my opinion already covers that to a certain extent. So, it, it, which one was 403 again? It was the the probative versus prejudicial, right? right, right? right. Okay. Um, so to me just limiting the admissibility still as written to me, I'm assuming all right, in certain circumstances if if it's really egregious or it really lines up with what their allegations if it's like I shot him at noon on a Tuesday with a, a with a a Glock nine, like in the in the shoulder, like whatever. Like, and what if what if he says all that stuff in a rap song, and none of those are like facts that are known to the public, and it's like, and they all line up. Like in a situation like that, it's like that's a pretty big expression of guilt. Do we want to keep that out of a court? Now here, now here's actually you just made me think of one. This yeah. is a good point. What if the guy wrote that or rapped that in a song, whatever it was, shot a guy outside of his house in a whatever. And let's say, and this is not rel- – I'm making this up right now. But let's say that there was a video camera footage feed of someone doing exactly that where they're wearing a ski mask so you can't make out their face. And they said that in a rap song. That's where the smoke is fired to me. And now in New York, they wouldn't be able to use that. So it's kind of weird because I understand you have to have some sort of cement within the law. I get that. You know, it's just the reality of what things are. But how do you try to create a system where there's a burden? I'm making up terms right now because I'm not a lawyer, but there's like burden of proof exceptions. Like if you can corroborate it with three other variables that are one of A, B, C, D, E, or F, then you can introduce it. Before then, you cannot use it on its own as evidence. I mean, yeah, that's like, well, we're talking like very like specific, like we have to be very specific legislation. And you think about like the rules of evidence, right? They're, they're supposed to be used, you know, they're supposed to be relatively straightforward. It's not supposed to be like super complicated, like... Mm. There's so many things that happens that so many things that happen at trial that you, um, you know, it's kind of on the fly, right? So you know, it, it, 
what you just said, like co- corroborating whatever, like you already lost me. I'm like, that's that's very hard to follow. But yeah. but I think this law basically says it. And what I just said with this law is it says it limits the admissibility. It didn't say totally inadmissible. Oh, so it, wait, hold on. I missed that. Sorry. That's what it said? Limits the admissibility, right? Okay. I don't take that. I don't personally take that as uh, mean meaning to be totally inadmissible. So the headline's wrong. The headline says, passes bill preventing prosecutors from using rap lyrics against rappers. That's technically wrong. Well, we have it. We just saw that quote. It might limit the... Admissibility. To, like, totally limit it. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I haven't read it. But I'm just saying, a lot of times, laws and legislation, they're not totally... It seems like a drastic step to say, under no circumstances, could this otherwise relevant in you know like evidence that corroborates like a murder like could this never come in you know what i mean right but that might be the case and i'm cool with it i don't think it's that big of a deal right because if that's all if i mean if a guy did shoot someone and he's like i was wearing like a yellow polo and like like blue socks and this and like i shot him at this location and this hour with this gun and this (laughs) whatever none of this is like public information and he says it on a rap song and you have them on video, and the video is not public, whatever. Like, I mean, and that's all you got is just him saying it. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with that guy who is probably dumb enough for saying that shit. That he probably should be in jail, but I'm okay with that guy going free. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I'm okay. Like, like philosophically, philosophically, did I say that right? Philosophically, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that guy going free. So. I think for the system to work, and it's it's tough to stomach when you think about like the gravity of some crimes, like prime example, like O.J. Simpson, right? Like we all think there's a strong chance he did that. No, pretty much, literally. No, did really. It, right? Yeah, exactly. You think he? But like he went free, right? That's the system working because the prosecutors argued a terrible case, and so you're keeping the government in check. So that's a lot to stomach. Like, holy shit, he went and he murdered two people, including his wife, brutally. But he's free, and it's not good. But when you take... That's one anecdotal case. When you take that into account with everything, and you take into account when prosecutors put an innocent man in prison, this is where... You know what I mean? It's very hard to process, but... Yeah, there's like a quote. um, I don't know if it's a quote or like a parable. I don't know, whatever. It's like... But it's just better to have... um, like a hundred guilty men go free than one innocent man. I agree. In jail, I and agree. I don't. I, you know, I, there's definitely some quote out there that says that, but uh, that's pretty much been um, accepted, and that's kind of the that's what the the uh, the like lean of our legal system should be. It's like we have a very high um, standard of proof yes. for uh, criminal convictions, so like it should be there should be guilty people going free. You know, like people like the law of averages says that exactly. Yes. There should be like a lot of guilty people going free, and there's sh- and you'd hope that there aren't many innocent people in jail, which uh, we all know that's not true. There are mm-hmm. innocent people in jail that people get exonerated all the time. Um, I've heard a number from all different people, and they come up with like their own range, but the range always falls in seven to ten percent. Where they say seven to ten, and these are usually people who were in prisons themselves, who are you know working on issues or whatever, or have been around prisons. 
And I, I have a lot of belief in that where they say seven to ten percent are either fully innocent or a lot innocent of what they ended up being charged with and various things went wrong in either their defense or the government pressure on them from a monetary means, power means, whatever, that forced them into situations. And a very common one there is when people are forced to plead to something because it's like, oh, I'm facing life. I don't want to take my chances. I'll take the 15 years when in reality they really do want to go to trial because they didn't do it. And some of them are lying, obviously, but some of them aren't. You know, that's it. You know, fuck, man. It's a. I talk about this a lot because I've mentioned it is my phobia, but my ultimate phobia is that I'm in a box six by eight for something I didn't do. I can't even fathom that. Yeah, that is one of those. Yeah, that keeps everyone up. I feel like if you actually think about it, me just thinking about it right now, imagining like being accused of a, a serious crime um, and knowing you didn't do it, but not being able to prove it and, and not being able to do anything about it. That's horrible. Um, and it's not like there's like some good solution for it. I mean, you think now that, you know, now, I mean, a lot of these, you know, I don't know if you are you familiar familiar with the innocence project of course yeah the Very innocence familiar. product yeah they're like in every state whatever it's like a like a, a ryan, non- ryan, ryan who's coming in here his I, I mentioned this right before we got on his the chairman of his board is jason flom who's also one of the i believe he's one of the founding board members of the innocence project the shit yeah, they do yeah is they're amazing. like a non-profit organization that yeah. like advocate you know like they do like post-conviction relief stuff which i know i can talk all day about like post-conviction stuff randomly i'm I like i'm i'm super into that stuff right, but we'll get there um but anyway they um yeah they advocate for for you know a lot of post-conviction um relief and um back then back in like the 70s 80s whatever they did, just didn't have the dna evidence um right. and like there were so many convictions and like you'd think like all right they've you know they've tested all the evidence now and like they've sorted it out, but it's still just like there's like every other day, like every other week, whatever you're seeing someone like exonerated because of DNA evidence. What pisses me off to no end is when prosecutors who quite literally were not around when those cases went through, who really have no, no one's going to blame them for what happens here when they suppress the argument for new evidence that is scientifically backed to be presented, that is criminal to me. That is not that is not a a you know just dude or or woman doing their position as prosecutor and just being a hardball, you know, fucking difficult person to deal with. That's criminal. If someone if you have someone come to you Innocence, I don't care who it is, Innocence Project, another attorney, whatever, and say, I have DNA evidence that this rape murder that did not have DNA available or whatever, or you didn't find this when it was going on, I have DNA evidence that will show that this man who is sitting life in prison and has been there for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, didn't do it. If you weren't around then, just say, okay, present it. If it's, if it's not true, fuck them. If it's true, let's see it. I don't know why this is hard. I, I can't. That is one thing. I cannot wrap my head around that. 
Yeah. Um, so I'll try and play devil's advocate, right? Please. And I'll explain, I guess, a bit of like the the conviction appeal, post-conviction process, right? Yeah, can you run through that? I've actually never really looked into this enough, so. So when you're convicted of a crime, you can appeal, right? But you can only appeal. You can't just, you can't just like, you know, say, I appeal and say, like, I don't agree with this. I want to. I just I want to get an, a new trial or a new op- opinion or whatever. You have to appeal on certain aspects of your case, right? So if if you're um, and this is if you you were tried f- by a jury or or judge whatever, and you went th- through mm-hmm. a trial and they uh, entered a verdict, right? Is that called a bench trial when they do that? Bench trial, judge. yeah, judge trial, yeah. Okay. So um, you would appeal and you'd say, for instance. Uh, this bit of evidence, it could be a good a good thing, for instance, like rap lyrics. They use rap lyrics um, against me, and, you know, I think that the, the court committed, uh, like, an error when, when they um, allowed those rap lyrics to, to come uh, in. And then the appellate court would say, um, yes, they committed a reversible error, whatever, you get a new trial, or no, they'd say, ah, that was, oh. even if it was error, that was a harmless error. It it wouldn't change the outcome of the of the trial anyway, so nope, boom, you're um you're screwed. Okay, so once you've exhausted, that's called your direct appeal, and you can appeal you know on many different things, whatever. Um, once you've exhausted your direct appeal, then you're allowed to um, uh, what's called file a collateral appeal, right? So, um, yeah. So now I'm getting yeah, in. I'm not aware of that. Can so explain that there is this. Uh, there's this PCRA post conviction relief act. I don't know if that's specific to Pennsylvania, but I know every state has a uh, an avenue where you can appeal your um, your um, your conviction on uh, a collateral appeal, and that is raising um, matter. Collateral appeal just means raising matters that are like outside the courtroom. So you would initially um, so that's where you hear about all these, uh, and this is where. It gets complicated, and this is where I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, right? So a lot of people will uh, appeal their trial and say, I was denied my Sixth Amendment right to like effective, effective assistance of counsel, right? right? So they'll say, my lawyer was, was, was crappy. He, let, he didn't object onto this evidence. He didn't do this. He, he said, did this wrong. He did this wrong, whatever, and you'll appeal that. So you're first, um, you first have to go through your state. You appeal that to your state appellate court. Then you is this in every state? Every state has okay. a has an avenue where you do a collateral appeal, also, right? Got you it. appeal to your state appellate court, then you can appeal that to your state supreme court, whatever, whatever. And again, it would be a, like a, it wouldn't be. You've already exhausted your appeal with the actual matter matters of the trial. So then this would be something like you know, like my lawyer was shitty, or like oh, this is after you've done all regular appeals. You're saying, yeah, 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 or like okay. some other type of violation, like like a. Like a confrontation clause violation, like some, and we don't have to get into like other like com- constitutional like violations, something like that. So then you go and then you exhaust those appeals. Once you've done that, then you are actually able to file um uh like a habeas corp a habeas corpus action in federal um court, right? What so, does that mean again? I've seen so that, that means you just sue. You basically sue. It's a civil action. So you sue your so you'll sue like your warden or you'll you'll sue the like jail that you have and you'll say 
you keeping me in jail is a violation of oh. my rights. And you uh, basically then uh, allege the same things you would have alleged in the PCRA, right? So, so like, you'll allege, like, um, my my lawyer was shitty. Like, there was, uh, like, a confrontation clause is, is like, a, a tricky one. Like, I'm trying to think of examples where it's, like, you have, like, certain defendants testify, like... It's hard for me to explain, and it's it's kind of complicated. But like, you can allege other like constitutional violations, right? And then a, a federal court will hear that, right? A federal court can then say, rule like, okay, actually, um, this this witness was, you know, um, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of uh, there's 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 an example where it's like a wit if you if it's like co-defendants, right? And um. They're supposed. They're not supposed to say the name of like another. They're supposed to keep someone's name like, like silent. But then they say the name of the other uh, defendant, and like that. W- you know, they weren't supposed to say that because the trials were severed or whatever. Like that can um, then mm. like it's it's like constitutional violations like that. You know, and then once you're in federal court, then the federal court can say, all right, actually, no, that's BS. Like you get a new trial or like you're, you're allowed to, you know, question on this with a specific example. I don't know if this might be a hard one to break down, but as far as like when you're making the argument of attorney malpractice, right? Which is one of the ones you mentioned. It's called IAC, ineffective assistance of counsel. Okay. So, one of the stories that was a theme throughout my conversation... Different than malpractice, just to clarify. It's, How's it different than malpractice? Malpractice is like a civil thing. This is like a straight-up constitutional, like, you were denied effective assistance of counsel. Okay, so legally different in my mind. Same I'm shit. trying to All refer right. to the same shit. Okay, perfect, though. <laughs> one, of the, one of the stories Brian told early on that got referred to several times throughout my conversation with him, because it was a, like... He picked a really good one to use as, as an example. He was talking about when he was a prosecutor, one that really sticks with him is this woman. I think her name was Cheryl. Was her last name Hines? It was Cheryl. I, I don't remember her last name. But she was found guilty of first-degree murder. He did not want to find her guilty of first-degree murder. What happened was her husband was cheating on her. She figured it out. She went over to the other bitch's house. That woman answered the door. She's like, where's my fucking husband? And the woman's like, oh, no, don't do that. Long story short, she ends up, I think it was she killed the woman by accident because she had a gun and it like kind of went off. Crime of passion, you know, the whole bit. So she goes to get charged with it. And Brian goes to her defense counsel and says, hey, to me, this, pro- you know, she's charged with murder one. I can charge her with murder three and let the judge do some justice here and not give her life in prison without parole and and actually give her a second chance because he's like, this isn't a premeditated murder. It's bad. Uh, It's a murder. But like I understand this isn't an irredeemable person who can't ever be in society again. The lawyer was some young hotshot and he was like, fuck you. We're going. It's actually involuntary manslaughter or whatever. And and he's like, dude, you got to. We're going to clean your clock in this case. Like, it's, it's done deal. We have a witness, whatever. You know, she's going to get found guilty. He's like, no, 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 she's not. Goes to trial. She gets found guilty of first-degree murder. 
life without parole. Now, that's where he explained the story. He became a defense attorney after that, and he thinks about it a lot, but I didn't ask him about like this appeal process or anything. Could she argue in a court of law and perhaps – and I think he would do this if he was asked. I'm pretty sure he would. She's been in there for fucking 30 years now. Could she say, I had an ineffective counsel. The prosecutor – by the way, here's his testimony. The same guy wanted to offer me murder three. And my guy said no because he wanted to try to win the case, which was a very bad move. Could she go in with a collateral, whatever the official term was, and say I had ineffective counsel? Um, I don't think so. And why? And here's why: because unless the it doesn't sound like the so just making there's a difference between making the wrong decision and making like a a. And depriving your client of a, their constitutional right to counsel, right? Of effective mm. counsel, right? Because um, he got the information fr- um, from the uh, the prosecutor and took that de- took the offer back to his client, right? Yes. Presumably. Yes. He informed his client. Well, we think. We yeah. don't even know that. And he advised his client. Well, let's assume that, right? Because if he yes. didn't advise his client of that, then I do think... For, so, for instance, if if he if he if they had that conversation, you absolutely any uh, plea deals you have to advise your client, right? So, um, if he if he got the the plea offer and he just like was like, "Nah, screw you, we're taking it to trial," and didn't tell his uh, client, then I think yeah, you could get a, a um, you know a ineffective assistance of counsel claim there. But if he went talked with talked to. Um, and you're you're saying Brian was a, uh, was a prosecutor. prosecutor at the time. Yeah. Talked to Brian, um, and then said, "Nah, screw you." And then went back and told his client, "Like, yeah, he offered us this, but we're taking it to trial." And the client agreed, even though he was heavily heavily influencing her and like very much like uh, you know influencing her decision. I don't think that's ineffective assistance of counsel. He made the wrong decision, and it it probably it cost her her wow. life. But but I don't think that's really actionable. Wow. So and, that's not Yeah. And this is a really this is this is a tight boundary. You're it's saying. a tough, tough standard. It's a tough standard. So I don't know there's like three elements to it, dude. And now I'm getting like Yeah. I'm coming out of remembering parts of like my brain that I haven't even thought of in years. <laughs> um there's like you have to do like your lawyer has to do something uh wrong. It has to be um and you have to like there's a couple more like your your lawyer has to do something wrong. It has to be something that like no reasonable lawyer would have done and then it has to be something that would have like changed the outcome of the trial. And right? the judge has to rule on this subjectively therefore. Cuz it's a human being ruling on it effectively. Yeah, so so like yeah, we're talking at the like yeah. on the collateral appeal, right? Yeah. So like think of how hard that standard is, right? So like all right, you got to say that your lawyer did something that was like you got to allege your lawyer did something wrong. That there wasn't a reason for it, like a good reason for it, mm-hmm. and then you have to say that the the case it would have changed the outcome of the case, right? Because other than that, it's just a harmless error. It's just like, oh well. Because think about, it. I mean, there is a that's an important element. Because if your lawyer, if your lawyer didn't object to like, you know, if a witness testified to some minor like detail that was maybe not like some minor like hearsay thing, like you're a witness testified yeah and there was like 
like a homeless guy like that asked me for change like all right that's hearsay evidence right like that's an out of court statement coming in but like that's not gonna that doesn't affect anything right like you know yeah fun you can object to the home like some random homeless guy that was just on the street saying hey can i have some change right but like that's not going to change the course of a trial sorry i'm getting really no that was fucking great man (laughs) i love it it's because whenever i'm talking to people who actually understand the law and they're not just trying to figure it out when i read articles and shit you know i always kind of assume that there's like some sort of objective procedure that has like three to five steps that I don't know about with this stuff. And what you're laying out right there confirms that for this, which is that you can't just like claim it and then try to say, well, you did this, this. No, there has to be like, all right, there's a menu of whatever, A, B, C, and D, which one of these could be applicable. So you can't just say it on anything. But that also, you know, you you don't want to make a system where people can get out of things easily. I get that, hundred percent. And that's and that was yeah. my point when I said, and we got off off on this whole tangent. Yeah, yeah. When you were saying like, why is this DNA evidence not like all tested? Like why? Like why could someone argue against that? Because we have such a system where you can like, like make these claims. Like there is a almost everyone in jail that's in jail for life is constantly filing like petitions. Of course, right? So How many of them have DNA though? I don't know. And and another thing is, that here's this, right? So there's also, and I told you that uh, there's another avenue that I didn't tell you about, right? So like, Let's go there. So, go so like, you can allege on this habeas petition, right? This is after you exhausted your direct appeal, after you exhausted your collateral appeal. And you said this is a civil thing. Right? It's a civil suit, a habeas mm. corpus suit. I forget the s- statutes, but it's a federal statute. Um, it's a civil suit, but it's like basically, you know, it's the same thing as the collateral appeal. Basically, you argue the same thing. Um, you can, there's a, um, I think it's called the actual innocence exception. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but okay. basically, um, like something for like newly discovered evidence, things like that, that would tend to prove your actual innocence, right? Yes. So, so at that point, you're not arguing that you were deprived of like, you know your constitutional right because you 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 can exhaust those avenues in habeas as well. So like once you've argued that like all right my lawyer was shitty he deprived me of my constitutional right to like effective assistance of counsel like they're like the federal habeas court's like no then like later you can say all right like this new evidence came out or like a big one that's like you know kind of like floods courts a bit is like witnesses retracting their statement. So, like, after 20 years, you can go, like, think about a case. Mm. After 20 years, like, something happened when someone was 18, you can call up that main witness and get her to sign an affidavit saying, like, I don't really remember. I don't. I think it was different because people's memories Brian fade. Banks. Yeah, people's mm. memories fade. They change over time. So, that's a, that's a big one that's just, like, like, all right, like, do you, you know, if you testified and you were sure of something 20 years ago, you're, like... Obviously, you're not going to remember it the same 20 years from now. Right. So, like, you can get this person to sign an affidavit, whatever. So, that's, like, that's a big one that kind of, um, I mean, look, I'm all for people get, getting their day in court, and I don't think a uh, an innocent person should be behind bars. But that's one where it's, I don't want to say exploited, but that's a, an avenue that's utilized a lot is just getting witnesses to, to say they don't remember or recant their statements or whatever after years and years and years have passed. Yeah, and eyewitness testimony is a whole different 
conversation too because technically it is one of the most least reliable things. So I guess just one of the least reliable things there is because, you know, people don't, you know, you talk about perjury. Sometimes, yes, it's absolutely perjury if someone's making shit up or whatever and they know damn well they're making it up. But there's other times where people think, yeah, I saw this, whether it's through different psychological anchoring that happened to them when they were talking about the investigation or what they thought they saw. Like I, I, I consider it in my own life with things I've seen. I'm like, did I really see that? I don't know. You know, I question that all the time. Oh, yeah. And it puts people in a tough spot. It's when you have corroborating evidence all over the place so when you see things where there's 30 people who were in different places not next to each other saying the same shit okay yeah that's that's probably how it went but when it's one guy who's like yeah i definitely saw this there's you've seen it in court where lawyers can have someone on the stand for a few hours and crack them two hours in because suddenly like oh but that's not what you said you said this, you know, and it's not necessarily the person's not lying. It's just it's a psychological phenomenon, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that's like the science is like starting to come out on that. The like a lot of like witness identifications, especially um, to be honest, cross racial like identification is terrible, right? Like people are just not good at identifying people of other races and the you can google it right now really cross racial identification any, like, i haven't seen any recent news on right. this like we said i mean i've i learned about it in law school and like you know i'm i'm just familiar with it like um like if if a a white guy ob observes you know um a, a black guy commit a crime whatever um he's and he's shown like a lineup like he's much more likely to like pick incorrectly and meaning it may not be on purpose at all it may just no be, no it's yeah. just in it's whatever it is it's the same it's just like basically what like when when you talk to any race when you talk to and, and seriously i mean this like people are thinking about some of the joking context right now but when you talk to any larger race if you want to talk to a larger race of black people people who are let's say like european white people who are Mediterranean white, I say that in air quotes, I don't really know, um, people who are Asian, they will all say about, like, if you are not in that race, you will have another race say, yeah, they kind of all look the same to me. And it's not, you know, we take that as racist in some things now, but there is a psychological I mean, phenomenon. there's imperial, empirical evidence to say, I'm not going to say, like, they all look the same. But, right, but, no, but I no, would say no. cross-racial identifications are terrible. People are bad at picking, especially, so like that is unreliable evidence, in my opinion, when it comes to, you know, the criminal process. This is a little small. You're closer to it. Can you just read the first two paragraphs here on this article? Eyewitness testimony was often thought of as the best evidence in a criminal trial. Today, experts are learning it's not so reliable, especially when the witnesses and the suspect are of different races. The concept is called cross-race effect, and it was first mentioned in research published in the Journal of Criminal Law and Polit uh, Police Science in 1914. It is defined as a tendency for individuals to better recognize members of their own race or ethnicity and be worth worse at recognizing people of another race. Cross-race effect has contributed to numerous eyewitness mm, okay. misidentifications. So they've been looking at this for a fucking century. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's nothing new. Like yeah. I mean, I, like we learned about it in law school. Um, 
it's um it's definitely like a thing uh i'm i mean this article i'm sure there's some numbers i'm sure you can get some raw numbers and that was published in a journal i'm sure there was some numbers in that that main journal but it's it's just one of those things where where um you know for the longest time people didn't really question it they were like oh it's it was this guy okay good you know and 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 again there are certain sure there are certain like explicit biases 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 whatever however you say that word yeah explicit biases um that people have but this is one of those that was not um that's not really explicit it's just like people are just you know if if i'm a white guy and i grew up in a house in a community with like white guys i'm just not as good at identifying for like a split second like you know an asian guy or like right you know a hispanic guy you know think about it you think about your environment during your developmental years every day your eyes are taking in data that's what we do so we take in data of the people who are closest to us all the time so that is what we learn to immediately like when we first get an image on something we can associate distinct qualities on that when we're not around someone who may have a different look to them through literal ethnicity of somewhere in the world we don't recognize those same things because we don't have as it's it's math we don't have as many data points in our head to be able to be like oh right yeah so when you then spend time around people of another ethnicity for a long time, then suddenly that's not a problem because now you do learn to recognize those things. So I, yeah. I believe this and it's not, you know, people love to throw around racism on everything. This is very clearly not, this is a, this is a defined human gene that is perfectly explainable without someone being racist. It's just yeah, something no that saying. needs to be considered in a court of law when you're looking at who the eyewitness is yeah. and what they're identifying. I mean, people are racist. There's a lot of racism you yes. know, that happens, whatever. But but this in and of itself, I mean, I, anyone can fall victim to it, you know. Um, you know, and I'm sh- I think that I think there's studies that have just done it that are just like, just like consistently, people are just bad at identifying, you know. Right. Right. People of of other races and ethnicities. But speak. What we've been talking about is all this like extra say circumstantial evidence that can come into play in these cases be it attorney fuck ups and it started with like rap lyrics and stuff so it's funny the the lengths that this stuff can go sometimes where you don't think about unintended like quote unquote consequences so I was thinking about this while you were saying it but I forgot to say it a while ago there was another case this one was done out of the federal district court in I guess Boston, some Massachusetts, or whatever. Fun fact: I'm actually uh, pro hocked in in uh, that court. Right fuck now. does that mean? I'm like I have a, a merit squid fishing vessel case <laughs> in Boston right now. Judge, uh, what's the judge? How does name? that work? So you can argue cases up there, even though you're not barred in in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, we have local counsel. They're all like it's. Is Boston? that Pro Hoc Vice? Pro Hoc Vice. Ah, no yeah. shit. There we go. But we say you taught pro, me that. Pro Hoc. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm in there. Uh, what's the judge's name? Judge is like some Irish name. Like every party in there is Conahan. Yeah, it's like Judge. I don't. I don't want to. I forget. The, I should know the judge's name. Damn. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a whatever case. But it's I don't fun fact. Just fun fact. So is that wi- that's a federal case then? Because it's up there. And yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So. There was a case in front of that court, though, and a whole nother rabbit hole we can go down maybe later is like 
how they decide, like when you see a case filed in the Southern District of New York, like how they decided to do it there. If it's like something that fucking happened in Hawaii, but it was interstate, like versus trying it in Massachusetts. So the reason I say that is because this case was. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I saw it at first in a documentary by Alex Gibney called, I think it was called Crime of the Century. It was through HBO like a year ago. He talked, it was all about the opium wars and like the Sacklers and everything, which is a whole separate thing. But he covered this case because it had to do with opium. And one of the things they said in that documentary was the the prosecutor in Massachusetts talked about why they decided to do this in Massachusetts because that particular prosecutorial government team had an expertise in I forget what it was, but they decided to try it there. So I don't know how that whole thing works. That's a separate thing. But this INSIS case was it was a pharmaceutical company that had a fentanyl product. I forget it was some sort of spray. It was fucked up stuff. But Jeez. they were pushing these sales through just like the Sacklers push OxyContin. And there was all kinds of crazy shit going on. They charged everyone. They got all guilty convictions. But one of the Things that happened was the chief sales officer, I guess, who ended up being a government witness. He was still found guilty and went to prison. But he commissioned some sort of competition among his sales reps where, I mean, you want to talk about something effective in a jury. Have you ever seen Better Call Saul, that show? I have not. I have not. Oh, my God. You have I know. to watch Pe- that. People say that. One of the fir- I think it was the first episode ever. It starts with like Saul making an argument, and he runs through his whole thing, and, the- and you're like, oh, wow, that's really compelling. And then it's a closing statement. And then he finishes. The prosecutor gets up, looks at the jury, doesn't say a word, pull- wheels out a TV, looks at the jury, presses play on the thing, and sits there, and you watch the whole crime go. It's like a really fucked up crime. And you just see Saul like, looking down, and then he like wheels the TV away. No further statement, whatever, they're found guilty. So this was kind of that moment in that case. This sales officer had all his sales reps do a contest to create a music video about their fucking sales. About their fentanyl spray. Bro, it's actually, I can pull it up. I believe if if I skip ahead... It's because this is copyright. I don't think it's copyright protected. But if, if you hear a skip, that's why I'm doing it. But I want to play this so that people can see it. This was the winning video that was played. And again, if, if you're not, if it's well, going to like skip ahead right now, the video oh, for you people that want to look it up, this. it's called Subsys, S-U-B-S-Y-S, rap video created by Insys Pharmaceuticals. When was this created? This was in... I believe like 2014. Listen to this. Yeah, this is it's disgusting. so bad. All right, so I'm gonna cut it right there at, at 210. There's like another two minutes left. But titration, just to be clear, 
the definition of that so that people understand because the hook was like, I love titrations, that's my fucking and problem or whatever. it's set to 2 chains. I love bad bitches, that's my fucking problem. Is it 2 chains or is it ASAP Rocky? Am I misremembering? No, ASAP Rocky's in, it's ASAP Rocky, 2 chains, and K-Dot, I think. Right, yeah, okay. So titration is a way to limit potential side effects by taking time to see how your body will react to a drug. In titration, the medication is started at a low dose. Every couple of weeks, the dose is raised, up titrated, until the maximum effective dose target dose has been achieved or side effects occur which means it gets more and more addictive the higher you take it and the idea is that you start low and continue moving them higher so that they get addicted to the drug like a subscription and they put this in a fucking rap video and of course by the way these were the sales reps at the fucking company sorry i'm playing that again but of course they played this at the trial so if this were new york now and they were making this case in 2023 hypothetically they couldn't play this, but this is incredible evidence right there because it's a disgusting, you know, they're saying exactly what they do, and there's evidence to say the company was proud of it. All right. And tell me if you want me to just shut up. About, we should You should maybe, never shut up. Keep maybe going. shut up about the legal stuff, but all right. I love the legal stuff. I'm going to argue that this comes in because it's not like an artistic expression. It's marketing. Mm, but they're not playing it for clients. They're only playing it internally. But that's, I guess that's art, but it was it created by the company? Created by the company to be played internally. There you go. No, it's, it comes in. It's not like a pure artistic expression. Because it's a company generated project? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. That's that would be my argument though. Because I would never want to throw this out as like as a, as an American citizen in a case being, but like fairly tried, I'd want to see this. Talk about unfairly prejudicial. Like they're terrible at rapping, and like as a jury, like I wouldn't want to sit through that. <laughs> like I'd be like throw those guys in jail. Well, they're not the ones on trial. It's well, the, they the fucking should be. But I saw that. I was thinking about that the other night because I'm like, wait a second. Would that be admissible now? Like with these other laws going into effect? I don't know. But it goes to show you whenever you make a law or like a ruling on something, it has downstream effects that perhaps in certain contexts can't be foreseen. And then it could be something really controversial like this, like a literal fentanyl trial, you know? It's like, imagine if they couldn't... I think they still would have found the guys guilty, I think. But it'd be harder if they couldn't have played this. Sure. Yeah, and that's just like the beauty of law and stuff like that is like, there's just... There's, it's just a mess. You never know what's going to affect this and that. And, you know, that's why lawyers have jobs. Fuck yeah, there's a lot of them too, but... it's too many. There are too many. But it's funny, when you need one, holy shit, it's important to have them. Yeah. But with this Young Thug case, just to close this out, so we're in, we're still in the pre-trial phase. Trials technically like tentatively set for January. What that'll he, get pushed for sure. Why? Why do you say it'll get pushed? There's many reasons. Uh, rarely, I mean, just for the simple fact that rarely a trial of that like magnitude. Think of all the they've got 28 gang members. I mean. There's there's multiple motions. There's going to be m- motions to sever the to separate try. Like, are they going to try what twenty eight defendants at once? Is it all one case now? Mm. You got to sever that. Like, uh, there's there's so much issues that that have to be resolved. Like, everything we just talked about about you know 
lyrics do they come does the jury get to see that whatever in january what that's a couple months from now you know so that that's not gonna happen by january i i would bet i'd bet anything on it um and and uh trials get continued regularly so it's just you know well actually there's another question on this whole thing because i i I always wonder about this, especially when I've seen like mob cases in the past where this happens. But how does it work when you have a case where it's the same case, but there's multiple defendants? Maybe they even have slightly different charges, and then they each have their own attorney, and the case is done in the same courtroom in front of the same jury. Like, how does do those defense attorneys all have to work together, or will they work against each other? Like, what what's the dynamic there? So, t- as a defense attorney, your loyalty is to your client, right? So, if I'm a defense attorney, it's fuck all the other defendants. Mm. I'm doing, I'm presenting the case, presenting the defense that is in the best interest of my client, right? Um, to that end, uh, oh, if, if it's beneficial to you, you would move to sever the trials, uh, have different trials for different defendants. Um, it also depends factually, uh, what, what the, the circumstances are. So it's, it's, uh, and to be honest, I, you know, I'm not super up on like, um, moving to sever trials. There's, there's also moving to what? like sever the words I'm saying sever, separate them out, meaning have yeah. different juries. Yes. In different cases. Like, a, like just, uh, Joe Blow is only defending the courtroom and then a jury decides his case and then Joe Schmo, whatever. It does seem like every time you look at one of these big trials where there's, you know, an 88 page indictment and stuff like that, it's almost a formality. They say January and it's going to be in fucking August, you know? So I almost wonder why they do that, why they even set a trial date ahead of time. Just be like, no, we're going to have these hearings We'll figure it out then, and then we'll start to figure out when the trial is going to be. But at the same time, they can drag out sometimes for years, and someone's life is in limbo all this time. That you know, the the civil rights part of that's a whole nother thing too. True. I mean, you have a right to a speedy trial under the U.S. Constitution, um, but you waive that right because it's it's in the best interest of your defense, right? Because you need mm. time to build yeah. to to gather witness defense witnesses and facts and do your own investigation. So true. I mean, technically speaking, I get what you're saying, right? Like, all right, like you could be sitting in limbo for years and, you know, you don't know when your trial is going to be. But at that point, you would have, you would have waited. Like, you're probably the one asking for continuances because the court will only grant um, Mm. the state like a certain number of continuances uh, before the, you know, before they'll say, no, you, you got to put, you're this, you're the state, you're the government, you got to put on your case. So, but they'll be the opposite with the defense, you're saying. True. I mean, in certain instances, I mean, uh, there's a lot of agreements, right? So, like, I don't care what case it is, you know, there is a lot of agreement between the uh, prosecutor and the defense attorney because, you know, you just have to agree on certain things, right? So, like, if the prosecutor comes and says, "Look, can we get a, uh, you know, we're going to ask for a continuance here," you may you may uh, not object because you know down the road you're going to ask for you know five more continuances on on certain things. So like that's just working with each other. Um, I wouldn't. I would say certainly yes. I'd say judges probably favor. Um, I mean there are pr- constitutional protections for like speedy trials, but like once that's 
once you've like kind of waived that, then you know you're you're pretty much once you've waived that you're you've you've pretty much waived that right so mm. um uh but but then at that point it's just the judge managing their cases and their dockets right so like they don't want to just have something sitting forever so right. like the judge will keep the feet the the um keep either party's feet to the fire right like they're they're not just going to be like oh you want to continue it sure whatever we're we're just a we're just a continuing continuance court here like judges will be like all right why do you want a continuance what's the reason is this a good reason um and they'll grant it or they won't grant it um many times they do you know you you always get the first one most judges will grant that but actually federal federal courts a uh, whole nother animal uh i'm talking state court here um why why is the federal court different federal court is way more strict they are like i'm it's just federal court deadlines are hard deadlines for the most part um you know and if the parties don't make the deadlines and you know they're not able and they ask for a continuous they better have a damn good reason uh, whereas state court it's a lot more lax it's a lot more in state court um you know for instance much of state court is is in the count it's to the county so like for instance, I clerked for a judge in Montgomery County, and we'd see the same. My judge knew half of the attorneys pretty well that would be before his court. You know, he knew that they were, you know, good, competent attorneys, whatever, and he wouldn't really, if, you know, he, he'd he known the guy, say he knows the one attorney for 20 years, and he asked for a continuance, my judge isn't going to give him a hard time. You know, mm. he's going to say, you can have a continuance, you know, whatever. Um and not the federal judges don't know the attorneys like that, but it's just different. It's just a, it, it's a different animal. It's a different beast. They need a higher burden of proof to be able to grant things. It's just it's much more stringent. You're saying? Yeah, it's much more stringent. It's okay. much more stringent. There but, was there was a case I was going to ask you about, but then you introduced the federal versus state thing. So I'm going to go to a second case first. So remind me, I'm going to come back to a first. Fetty Wap. Oh, shit, yeah, he just got charged. With, I don't no, know. No, he didn't just get charged. This was almost a year ago now. This is like, Did he just, I want to say he the got end. got sentenced, right? No, I, unless happened? I have, um, hold on, let me Google that. No, picture. something happened in like the last week or something. Hold on. You've seen something in the last week on this? Uh, F- I, Fetty Wap's name has been in the news in the last two weeks regarding something like related to the courts. Oh wow, look. Yeah, and this wasn't even on the Google main page. I didn't hear about this. Hold on. Let's breaking news. Now I'm still going to ask you the same question. But let's see the details here before I ask. See, I know So, Fetty Wap pleads guilty to federal drug drug charges in New York. Now, he was arrested, I believe like last October or something like that. It, it's been a long time. I'm going to get to why I was going to ask about this. But rapper Fetty Wap admitted his role in an interstate multi-million dollar drug trafficking scheme Monday, pleading guilty to a charge that carries a minimum sentence of five years in prison. The hip-hop star, real name Willie Maxwell, entered the plea to a single one count of conspiracy to to possess and distribute 500 grams of cocaine. Okay. All right. Hold on a second. Read that quote. We're going to get to that. Before Judge Stephen Locke at the federal courthouse in Central Islip on Long Island. I agreed with other people to distribute cocaine, Fetty Wap told the judge. Here's the pictures of some of that. Damn. Here's the pictures of the cash. He added that it was at least 500 grams and that some of the conduct occurred in Suffolk County, which he's from New Jersey. Patterson, represent. Suffolk County is not New Jersey, therefore interstate federal trafficking. When asked how he'd like to plead, the Trap Queen rapper responded, guilty. The charge carries a maximum sentence of 40 years in prison and a mandatory... Mandatory? Hold on. 
Minimum of five years for blow? That seems excessive. Anyway, Locke said, but we're going to talk about that. Locke said at the hearing, no sentencing was immediately scheduled. The plea is standard and the rapper not cooperating is not cooperating with law enforcement. His attorney, Elizabeth Macedonio, the attorney said that, told reporters in the hallway outside the courtroom. He's not cooperating. I want that to be very, very clear. All right, well, all right, hold on. Okay, all right, now I, I have 10 questions on this because I was actually complete, and I've been tracking this, and again, this didn't show up on Google's main page, so this was kept very, very quiet. Are you, Wap, are you mad you're out of the Fetty Wap loop? First of all, I, I want to be clear. I've never met Fetty Wap. I do not know Fetty Wap. I have not reached inside the network of people I you're, know there to ask you a single not, question. You're not involved in this cocaine conspiracy. Of course I'm not involved. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? I haven't like I haven't reached out for inside information on this to people I may know who aren't involved with this specific situation mm -hmm. but know him. I've not asked anything. But you could if you wanted to. I guess, but like it's not my fucking business. So Okay. He gets arrested. It was roughly 10 months ago, I think, when he gets arrested. He gets arrested at a concert in New York. He was one of, I don't know, five arrests of different people, all different places of origin as far as around the country for whatever, where they said that they were distributing all kinds of drugs, including fentanyl, literally. Now, he goes into court post bail immediately four weeks later suddenly he's going on every pod now he's got federal charges against him mm -hmm. pending he's going on every podcast known to man he's in the studio again working which apparently was a problem before that it wasn't happening of recent he then there's an announcement that said maybe three four weeks after the initial arrest where the prosecution and his defense attorneys had agreed to a hold period. I, I don't know if this is a continuance. I don't know what the term was, but a hold period that the judge then approved to say that they were going to be negotiating on a plea. Now, again, this involved fentanyl. This involved potentially, allegedly, some serious shit. He didn't plead guilty to any of that. And the person with the quote... And again, I know nothing here, but the person with the quote in that article. I thought it was from his lawyer, right? That's his lawyer. Yeah. And going out of her way to say, I want to be very, very clear. He's not cooperating. You're telling me he's not cooperating when they came to a deal between the federal prosecutors and the defense to put a hold on the whole fucking trial where he is the headliner. He's the big name. He's the rapper. And it involves fentanyl and everything, and he only pleads to coke, which I can't even believe that's five years of prison for 500 grams right. of coke. Dory, you're going to put – are you putting dry snitching allegations on Fetty Wap right now? I'm not putting any dry – I don't know Fetty Wap. I do not know the Willie Maxwell. I have, I have nothing good or bad yeah, to say about better. him. I am asking the question, Is does something like that happen – Without there being some sort of, maybe it's not from him. Maybe it's from other people. If there's some sort of, maybe he got other people to say, hey, by the way, Fetty Wap had nothing to do with no fentanyl. Like we Probably. were dealing with some blow. I'm sure that happens. I mean, I'm sure that happens because think about it. Just think about that logically, right? Uh, Fetty Wap probably got caught up with a bunch of people who are not famous, like rappers, not famous household name rappers, None right? None of them are. Yeah. Right? So they're probably his friends, though. Um, and they probably have some loyalty to Fetty Wap, and they probably know that, all right, if I show loyalty to Fetty Wap now, mm. then when I get out, he's going to reward me, A. I'm just thinking about it logically. B, 
lawyers have a like a duty to be um they have a duty of candor granted this was statements to the media i don't know if it was a statement in court but i don't think she's gonna openly just lie about something like that and then also it's not like fetty wap got like a sweetheart deal he got like a pretty serious sentence and yeah, it's like and and all all of these things are like um you know the the government has to prove this shit and the government takes like it's hard to prove shit. Tr- things go wrong at trial all the time, especially when you have a guy with money and resources like Fetty Wap. They can hire attorneys. They can do. They can do a lot, right? I don't know. I don't know anything. That's why I'm I'll- questioning how much money he has. I'm gonna tell you that straight. You up. You think that he has more or less than less? Because. And that's Why a whole separate story with the music industry. Cocaine? No, th- well, that's what I'm saying. That's a whole separate story what the music industry did to that guy. It's really disgusting what they did. But I mean, he spent Let's a lot talk of money. About it. Let's talk about it, man. We're on a podcast, bro. I mean, some of that I, I'd have to think about what I'd be comfortable saying publicly. I I never like to risk betraying confidences, so I'll, I'll keep it very broad. But you know, we all know Fetty Wap was, he was the biggest thing in 2015 when he came up. He Literally, started, he, it was unreal. Yeah. Trap Queen dropped and then it was just like, and then it was 679 and then. Mine he, again. Yeah. Then the, what was that song with Drake? Baby, won't you uh, come, come my way, way? Where they took Monty off it for the second single. Put my mind to this shit. Yeah. yeah. He's like, baby, won't you come my way? Yeah. yeah. Like he Yo. was. Yo, sorry to uh, go ahead. No, no. Yo, the let's talk about the Monty uh, chain smokers. Uh, yo, Google that, bro. You know that you know it's like I'm like, damn, she's fine when she'll be mine. Um, or no, no, wait, it was like, baby, won't you come? It was yeah. like, I'm, uh, baby, uh, baby, won't you see? Is it money or it's me? Baby, right? won't you see? I think there yeah. was a lot. No, there was a lawsuit, and they cut Monty a check. Re- Did the chain smoker? This is from six years ago on Reddit. On, on Reddit. Did the chain smokers plagiarize Fetty Wap's six seven nine melody? I'm genuinely curious. I think he got like a check for like. Oh shit, yo! I've never. I know the song. Clo- I'm looking at this. I know the song closer. Yeah, of course, like, we all know the song baby, six seven nine. You- <laughs> Was there a check cut on that? I know nothing about this. Hold on a minute. Because that's Halsey and the Chainsmokers. That's a good song. Closer. I can't play them because they're both copyright. No, I thought I could be tripping. I thought that like they cut a small check to to Monty for that. Hold on, Monty Chainsmokers. Uh, Search settle, cop- settlement. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. I wonder. I've never maybe not. I never heard Monty talk about that. I wonder if that's something he should. Well he look should at. get a check because think it was like they say, baby, won't you be my mountain something? I'm like, yeah. And then it was like, baby, you want me closer in the yeah. backseat of my rover. Oh my yeah. god. No, it's it's it, and like it was when they came out, it was like the one was t- like summer of what, twenty fifteen, the one was summer of like twenty sixteen. So it was like it was like right after. Holy fuck, I never thought I gotta look at that afterwards. But. No, I like I could have sworn there was something maybe they even just cleared the sample. Maybe they even like paid him up front for it. I don't know, but there's gotta be there's something there because everyone It could be. 
Yeah, I got. I got to look at that after. I'm Baby, won't that. you? But I can't get. I know both hooks in my head yeah. right now. It's the same yeah. shit. It's scary. Same cadence, like same like. And it's weird because, but that one's a big song. There's no excuse for that one. That yeah. one was a top ten song. Yes. You know, there's some where like, you know, people were. I, I know Dua Lipa got hit with a couple ridiculous lawsuits that she's probably gonna have to pay like a little bit of money on for like, um. What's it? Levitated? I'm bad with song names. I know. Is that what it's called? Is it I Levitated or Levitate? She's got, I think it's like, I'm Levitating. Is it Levitate? Levitating? I know that song you're talking levitated? about. Levitated. Something I'm Levitating. levitating. Yeah, I yeah. fucked that up in my head. But like, there, when you look at the rhythm of that, there's some reggae song by some no names that happened like 10 years ago that has like a similar beat style to it. So they're claiming it. But that's the thing. Music has been around recording now for like a century. There's limited notes, man. You know, as far as like recording artists and in studios and shit. Like there's limited notes. So it's very easy to accidentally True. make something that maybe one time was made. And it's somewhat compelling when you listen to it. But at the same time, like fuck off. But that, that's, those are two top 10 songs yeah. made concurrently. There's no excuse there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. There's, Whatever. But I'm you, Team Monty on that one. You want to you cut wanna, him the check. You want to know some chain of the, smokers. Cut him the, the check. Some of the deets on that. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to do a pod, actually, with Monty to talk about that because Mon- Monty's a really he's a good guy, and you know he he got fucked as as a part of it. But the very broad, high level, without going into some things, I'm not sure. You know what's what's fair play, but. When WAP came up, you know, Monty and M80, who's a guy no one's ever heard of, but... He's a producer. No. M80? M80 was not a producer. They're on Fetty Wap's original album, 2015, called Fetty Wap, right? There's Fetty Wap didn't have any features on there except Monty, on, who was on 10 of the songs, and M80, who was on one of the songs. He did not go outside. He, he said, I'm sticking with, with my boys here. Monty and M80... We're both coming up. They kind of brought Fetty along with them. I think he might have been like a year younger than them too. M80, by the way. Great dude. One of the most talented motherfuckers I've ever talked to. I think there might be a producer by the name of M80 also. I don't know, but, but this, yeah, whatever, this is not probably, him. Yeah. One of the really real dude, great guys, friends with my friend Luke Servino, who's friends with all these guys. He, he's worked with Monty and everything. And basically... They started making these songs. It started with them finding this Norwegian producer's beat. That was the breakthrough. It was Trap Queen. And WAP's like, oh, shit. so dope. And he was studying it. And he's like, oh, my God, this is it. And then they started making songs. Like, My Way, they made one night while there were, like, six songs they made. And what happened was Monty took the tape to the car afterwards. (laughs) And he sticks it in. And they had a couple females in the back seat. And they're playing like the six songs they just recorded. You know, they're bobbing their heads to a bunch. And then the My Way one comes on. And you see the chicks going, come over. Like on the first listen by the second chorus. And they're looking at each other like, oh, shit. Like they're bumping it. The shit's going to go. Yo, that's how it happens, man. That's how it happens. So they have this come up. They were the biggest. People forget this. It wasn't that long ago. They were the biggest thing on planet Earth. They were lovable. Fetty Wap with the whole one eye thing. Like lovable guy. Fetty Wap, like, I'll stop you there. Yeah. Was so, like, embraced. Everyone was like, 
everyone just was like, yo, he's such a nice guy. Like, I love him. He's like the best. He's like so wholesome. And I, I like, all right, whatever. Maybe some some things in the news have happened. But like, I still get that vibe from him. And he was that like humble, just like nice guy when he came out. I don't know. I just I just wanted to reiterate that. Like, no, I think it's a fair. Re- Again, I've never I've never met him. I I don't know. I only know what I hear from other people who know him. Whatever. So really, take that for what you will. My vibe I get is that you know we all see these stories of people who come up and fall off, and maybe it's sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not their fault, sometimes it's both, and I think it can come in waves. But with him. You know, he proved it with his first platinum album, which was the biggest album on earth. What was the name? It, it had it's called Fetty Wap. Yeah, it's called Fetty Wap. It's yeah. called the same name. They do that sometimes. Like Dua Lipa's first album yeah, yeah. was called no, Dua Lipa. Many, many right? artists for decades. He that. went against the music industry who were like, oh, let's put this artist on it. Let's put that feature on it. He said, no, fuck that. Me, Monty, and M80, he'll be on a song too. That's it. And made it platinum. But he had a management company. They all did because... We talk about the young thug thing where we talk about people in the studio just around, they're from your neighborhood. Same deal here, except these guys had some money, right? These were the guys, when they were coming up and they had nothing and they were making these songs, these guys had money. What was the, oh my God, I'm hitting some fucking blanks right now. What the, it, what was the name of that? Oh, RGF, duh, remember? RGF Island was a song like RGF Productions. Yeah, it's RGF Management, right? So, seventeen thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, let me. I'm just making sure. So, without alleging details here, put it this way: they're not with RGF. They haven't been with RGF was, for a long time. What, what did RGF stand for? They got some. It was. I forget. I no, used to right, know right. that, but I'll look it up later. They got signed by, what was it? It was, what's his face? Lior Cohen, 300 Entertainment, right? So Lior Cohen, who a lot of people in the music industry is powerful. People don't like him. I don't know of him. I never dealt with him, but I think he's the head of YouTube music now. But he has 300 Entertainment after he got canned from Warner Brothers Music, where... My guy was right before. Yeah, that whole thing. Um, but once he gets canned there, he opens up 300 Entertainment with a couple of the executives who also got canned with him. They signed all kind of artists. Fetty Wap was one of their first. Right when he was coming up, they got him. They made all their money on him. And what they told him was, get rid of everyone around you. They're gone. Now, by the way, some of this, forget who they are and what they're saying and why they're saying it. Some of this actually was good advice. But that's a lot. You know, you bring someone on who's just coming up and you're like, get rid of everyone around you. And he's like, well, wait, hold on a minute. It's just not practical. It's not practical. Yeah. So what they did is they said, oh, yeah, go fuck yourself. And so they made all the money on him up front. He had one of the biggest years in music history in 2015 ever. Like he was incredible. Everything he did was a hit, banger, whatever. And then they pulled resources from him. And then they didn't follow, apparently they didn't follow through on some deals with some of the other guys. And slowly he got less and less action. Even when, like there were a few songs he dropped in the years after that that were bangers. Like there's a couple I'm thinking of that were like, whoa, 
didn't get the action they needed behind them. And so they kept losing more and more money. And 300 kept putting him down, down towards the bottom of the stack. I think he still may be with 300. But, you know, and I'm not speaking for him now, but it is knowing the details that I was told by not just Monty, but a bunch of people around the situation who I was able to talk to through Luke Servino, who knows all these guys very well and has worked with them. Like, it's fucked up. They are the ultimate story of the stereotype story of what happens in the music business when people get fucked. Yeah. I have one, like, pushback on that. Go ahead, please, yeah. I like I love Fetty Wap. I like that summer everyone was bumping Fetty yeah. Wap. That was I remember when I graduated because that was like Trap Trap Queen came out when it was like I was graduating college, right? So like I think it came out like maybe the end of 2014. I don't know when it came out, but it, but definitely 2015 like graduation everyone was like like Trap Queen. That's when it was do hitting you, the skids. Do you think yeah. Fetty Wap has a unique style, right? Mhm. Unique. Yeah. You cannot mistake Fetty Wap for any other artists ever yes. right do you think that got a little bit um the people once we got used to that it, it it didn't have as much effect no i here here here's why i say no he is unique he's got a very like his hero was like gucci man or something again i, I don't that's whether I or think not that's the, true the wop came from that right i believe part of the name because gucci that. man yeah. Is known as Guwap, and I I have I've read Gucci Mane's uh, autobiography, <laughs> although he didn't write it himself. What Gucci Mane got his name from his father, who was called Guwap. Fun, fun fact. fact. Okay. Fun fact. <laughs> that's it says it in the first five pages of his autobiography. I know Whatever. I've mentioned this on previous podcasts with you, but for people who haven't heard your previous episodes from the early days, you're you are one of the most educated hip-hop heads, if not the most educated hip-hop head I've ever met in my life. So when you're talking about the legality of, like, cases that happen to involve hip-hop people now, you also, like, know all yeah, the I'm details not just of like all the some guy. Shit. Yeah, I do, I do want to clear. I'm not just some guy yeah. like, Push Ice-T. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I like Push Ice-T. Like, I listen to him. <laughs> Free poo. Anyway, but... Push Ice-T, yeah. But you look at it, Yes, there was some influence on that, and I agree with what you're saying in the sense that you always look at some sort of new way of doing something and you wonder if it's just a passing fad. However, with him, I don't think that's what it is. In my opinion, and this is just my water cooler opinion, evaluating the facts and when I've talked with them and watched some things that happen and kind of trying to pull it away – they made perfect songs when they were just on the come up, desperate to create, which is a beautiful thing. And I remember when Monty told me like the My Way story that I just told a few minutes ago. In my head, I'm thinking, look at how organic that was. They weren't trying to make a hit. They were just in there recording song after song and one of them, boom, electric, it hit, right? What happened afterwards is as time went on and they got less and less resources and were getting more and more fucked and they didn't realize they were getting fucked right away, they started trying to create for a hit. I have seen this in person in the studio. I have watched Monty who has a ton of talent and is somebody who I really like that guy. He's a great dude. He's been great to me and again got really, really fucked. 
but I have watched him go to make songs, and this is my opinion here. He didn't say this, but this is my take, where he's making what he thinks people want to hear for a hit instead of the other one where I'm sitting there, you know, my fucking opinion doesn't mean anything, but in my head I'm going, that's the one right there, and he's not yeah. making that. And so that is what also happened with WAP. And so he still has that unique voice and whatever, but when I listen to his music, it doesn't have that edge to it. It doesn't have that just fucking trying new shit and feeling it. Like, listen to RGF, uh, RGF Island, which ended up being at some point, I think it was like even a top 60 song that year. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't top 10, but like, I know that he's song, just RGF fucking Island. going yeah. with it, bro. Like, there's, there's no precedent for that song. And you, if you're a fan, you listen to that, you're like, oh, shit, I'm in on this right now, you know? And they yeah. didn't, they got away from that, and I feel bad because I think that he felt, oh, I got to make money. I got to, I got to, I'm responsible for everyone around me. Like, and again, I, I was never around them, but this is just the vibe I got. And now when you see something like this happen, I'm like, makes sense. Dude, I will say this, man. Um the Fetty Wap and also Monty, but like Fetty Wap, obviously the the main, you know, you know, he was the 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 main star, I guess, of that group. The Fetty Wap brain just felt like it was over too short, man. Yeah. It just felt like like I don't care who you are, and like I said, like, oh, did we get tired of it? But like I think everyone at one point was pretty much everyone like our age was a Fetty Wap fan, especially mm -hmm. like from this area. Like, I mean, you know, we're I'm Philly, but like we still got love for like Jersey and shit. But, like, it just felt... Yeah, shout out Jersey. Shout out Jersey, man. Um, I felt like it was just over too soon. Too soon. It was just like, all right, Fetty Wap's here. He came off, like, all these bangers that were, like, the anthem of that summer. Like, I have, I have fucking, like, crazy memories to some of those songs. Like, like that was a yeah. fun-ass summer. And, I, like, I associate it with, like, Fetty Wap songs. Music of And some stories that, like... memories. We can, we can say off, off the air. But, like, but, like, it was just, like, it was over too soon, man. They went and did a worldwide tour. It was the most anticipated tour at the time globally in music in 2016. And that was their peak because they got to play all the songs that made people's memories in 2015 for everyone around the whole country. And I believe they went to Europe and all that. At the same time that that was happening, there was an act that their team agreed to have as the opener for the tour who was an up-and-coming artist. And these guys, they're really like, they're like, fuck it, yeah, sounds good. Like, you think he's good? Cool, let's go. And so at the first, I don't know, three or four stops they had on the tour, the opener would go on and he'd play four songs. And by the third song, he was getting booed off the stage. This kid, he was young, he was coming up, had some things to figure out just like performing for the first time. I think he was like 20 years old. Sure. But... Monty went to him after whatever it was, the third or fourth stop, and he goes, listen, that first song you play, all the women lose their fucking mind. It's nuts. And, like, I can see it, and that's what's going to get the response. So he goes, I want you to play that first and fourth. And the kid's like, are you sure? Like, I don't know. I'm playing the same song twice. He's like, just trust me. Just do it. So then he starts playing it first and fourth. Now... When WAP and Monty are coming on the stage, they're getting a standing ovation the whole way. And they love this kid. He was from a totally different background, completely different life circumstances, had a different musical style, but they really, really liked him. And 
They'd hang out with him on, on the tour buses in between stops and whatever, and to this day admire him. And the crazy thing is that kid was named Post Malone, and that song was White Iverson. And the next fucking thing that happened oh, is his album comes out, and that album ended up being the number one album, I think, in the world for a time. And that song was already going to catapult him, but oh, the confidence that he got from being able to play during that vibe, that is how strong Fetty Wap and Monty and the Remy boys were at this time. They could sit in there and see the talent in this kid and say, hey, we just go out there and do what we do. They weren't thinking about anything. They just played and people lost their fucking minds because the songs were insane because there was no effort to it. And they're like, you just got to do that too. And you're even going to do it one song. And then that dude records all these other songs that he puts into an album. And the first one comes out. Was the first one, was the first one Beer Bongs and Bentleys or was that the second? Um, the first one was Stony. So the first, this whole time, Post is recording Stony on there that's the album and boom the rest is history and so i always think about that and like it post and m80 had a good relationship because m80 had a lot of range like posted and i'm always like the ride that having the high and the lack of effort and the confidence that can come with that when you're up there allows you to just create and do and be loose and whatever and then fast Certainly. forward four years later after all this bullshit behind the scenes that no one knows about i'm watching monty in the studio stressing over which one to make and in my opinion he's making the wrong one because he's trying to do what people want because they fucked him into this position where that's what he's got to do it takes away the entire thing that built them in the first place and I have a lot of empathy for that because the expectations were so high and people don't understand all the bullshit that has to go into actually making these things get to the mainstream. They don't understand that Taylor Swift is putting 50 to $80 million behind marketing on one album at the beginning outset, radio marketing. Really? They don't oh, yeah. They don't understand what goes into this. Like, we're going to watch it now with Meek Mill. Meek Mill, I want to find out what happened here. I don't know. Brian McMonagle didn't know it happened right when he was in here shortly before but like meek mill left rock nation which was very shocking now he's doing releasing i guess like independent we're gonna see how much money he puts behind that and how well that music's able to do not on is the there, merits of how good it is but how much it can reach based on the money that they put is there bad it. blood between him and rock nation it doesn't sound like that i will say that it doesn't sound like that at all yeah they were together july 4th at ruben's party Having a good time when this had clearly happened. Look, Jay Z's. You know? Jay -Z's are you talking about Jay Z and and okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jay Z's a billionaire man. Like he doesn't like at this point. To me, it seems like he's just trying to like help and just like mentor other yeah. artists. You know what I mean? Whether like and I like I think it's a good. You're in a good spot if you're on signed to Jay Z's label. But I don't think Jay Z's losing any sleep over anyone leaving his label. You know what I'm saying? I think he's like he's he's done what he, yeah he's done what he's needed to do, but um yeah man Meek Mill has not released an album in a long time in a long time he's due he's giving out he'll give you these singles these snip like I've heard some snippets man <sighs> the snippets good. are fire they look good give me the album yeah they look good I I think that's another thing like his whole thing he released Champions shortly after coming out of prison when the whole I'm thing thinking got is that his last album. Is that his last album? Did he have a... Let's check it. That's his last album. That was the end of 2018. That's because that was the year after he got out. I lo oh, Man, I'm going to get fired up about Meek Mill right now. 
No, he released Expensive Pain in 2021, but it wasn't. Oh, yeah, it was. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was good. That was good. But it, it had, wasn't it his had best that work. song. What was that song with Lil Durk on it? Oh, dude, that's a banger. That's with Lil Durk and Lil Baby. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, uh, I think it's, cha- is it Change Something? Locations? Something? Sharing Locations. Sharing yeah, Locations, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Love I think that song. James Harden was in the was in the booth for I'm that. Sure. One. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna be curious to see what happens. Some of the shit he's been releasing, like little snippets, looks fucking fun. Why does why does like a little baby give James Harden like money for his birthday? I just don't get oh, that. That wasn't a little baby giving that money. Come on now. Like you what, don't know what that was? What is that? I don't know. Is it it's just for like the gram, just like to No. You do realize it's just for the strip club? Like our Sixers now have the best setup ever. You do realize that, right? Yes. Michael Rubin, who is, before he was a small owner in the group. <laughs> oh, you're on some conspiracy. No, this is very simple. It's very straightforward. All right, all right. Who's who's an awesome... I love... I fucking love Michael Rubin. I love his grind. I lo- He built everything himself. The guy's amazing. But he had to sell his stake. Yes, because he's got... Yes, he's got a private business. Yes, I understand that. So he had to sell his... Whatever it was. 7 8% stake in the Sixers. Who, before he's an owner, he is a lifelong, diehard fan of the team. Sure. Friends with everyone on the team. None of that changes. He's now invested in sports gambling and some NFT rights, I believe, like digital assets for players. So it's it would be in violation of the Board of Governors agreement for him to remain an owner. So yes. perfectly handled everything beautifully. Yeah. He's out. He's still the biggest fan ever. He's worth $7, 8000000000 billion now. I would put the money 10 years from now for for Michael Rubin to be the richest American. I'll put my bet on that. He now gets to tamper for free. No one can stop him. He is friends with every big player in the NBA. And so James Harden takes a deal where he cuts his pay so that the Sixers can afford to sign PJ over the summer. And now suddenly little babies giving 250k in cash on video. To James, come on. Well, come on. I don't know about, I don't know how little baby factors in there. Because he's one of Ruben's best friends. And Ruben goes, listen, I'm going to give you something. You can give James this first present. Here you go. Just a little start. I don't know. I do. Th- I am kind of seeing your conspiracy theory there. And this is a, con- this is a minor conspiracy theory, but it's a conspiracy theory. James, it's James based Harden. based on no hard evidence, Dory. James Harden launched his wine company a few weeks ago. I guarantee you Michael James Rubin ordered 1,600 bottles the right. first day. Probably. You're probably right. <laughs> but I do see there, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, he's just like a billionaire who can just do what he wants now because he's not affiliated with any team formally. That's awesome. That's fucking great. Yeah. And it's no coincidence that the NBA filed a tampering investigation against the Sixers right when he left. Just as like a god damn it, well, we got to hit him on the way out the door. Because now he can do whatever he wants to do. They can't stop him. He can literally send out a tweet standing next to LeBron James in a picture and be like, please sign with the Sixers. And you can't do fuck all about it. And he's got billions of dollars in his pocket. And if he wants to pay LeBron James $50 million or throw some money towards his charity for 50 mil and say hey remember that when free agency comes up next year i think he just signed a contract but remember that when you're demanding a fucking trade next year and we're gonna draft Bronny or something like that he can do it yo what if we drafted Bronny? lebron would have to come because that's he already said it yeah that's his goal he's gonna play with his son be kind of cool that would be cool be very cool 
Damn. Right? I I have high hope for the Sixers, man. I do too. I think we had to get rid of that uh metastasized cancer of an individual. We did. And uh I think Yo, I think yo, I don't think he's gonna you think he's gonna play? You think he's gonna play another NBA game? I've had this conversation. I don't care. Yeah, why are we even wasting our breath? I think listen, man, I, I, I don't I don't know what happens behind the scenes. I'm very not judgmental of professional athletes and stuff. We don't always know the details. You're right. You're right. But You're right. Fuck that guy. And I'll say his name, Ben Simmons. Let's let's call it what it is. In my opinion, if I end up being wrong and it's provable that I'm wrong in the future, my apology will be louder than what I say or have said in the past. But when you go and fraudulently use a loophole of a mental health clause in the NBA PA, which was put there for people who legitimately go through serious mental crises to be able to use as an ex- not an, excuse me not an excuse as a viable reason to not be able to perform the duties of their contract and still get paid, when you go and do that strictly because you're too fucking scared to play, fuck you. That is one of the lowest things you can do. He is a me first. Guy. Guy. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone else. Just look what he did to his second team when he, ref- <laughs> when he refused to fucking play in the postseason. And once the going the, got the group dude, chat, dude. I don't Yo, even hear my, it. my thing is, do we think that Ben Simmons is right mentally though? Like, what gives us what is evidence supporting that? Because when he played with us, he like he obviously just couldn't perform under pressure. He just could not perform in the playoffs or any pressure situation. He didn't. He never seemed like he was. That was always the question mark. It was like, like it wasn't even the fact that Ben Simmons like wasn't a good three point shooter. It it was that he had like some mental block against shooting three pointers. Right, like he couldn't even bring himself to do it. It seems to me like he probably isn't right mentally. He probably isn't like. There's a huge difference between being a head case with the yips and having a mental health crisis and trying to blame – like he wasn't – if that was the case, he would have gone and said, my mental health problem is that I have the fucking yips and I don't have the confidence to play on an NBA floor, which by the way could then be an issue in in his argument there. But that is not – when you associate that with someone who is – by the way, not to say he hasn't gone through shit off the court. I do know for a fact we, it's been reported. There, There's one thing in particular I'm thinking about that was very heavy that he dealt with. It's a really disgusting situation. I don't even want to bring light to it, but it was bad, right? I'm not that, familiar with that, but whatever. That he, it had to do with his sister and his brother. So you can do the math there. But yes, he, he did have something like that happen. And for a while, that was something that I took into account. But when you look at the actions... Mental health was never a fucking problem until suddenly he realized, oh, they're not going to pay me. Then he said, I have a mental You're health right. problem. And then he refused to see the mental health professionals that the Sixers had with him. They had, it was like pulling teeth to get him in there. And, and Rich Paul got him. Such a fraud, bro. Yeah. Such a fucking fraud. But, but you look at a guy who's not making decisions that benefit himself. If we If we really look at it, it's a guy who like – who like left a franchise like under disgrace terms with like basically the lowest value he could have right he mm-hmm. performed horrible in his last playoff game like performed horrible like left a, a awful taste in the people's mouths didn't play at all last season and didn't refuse to play for Brooklyn like granted 
the whole thing that like it was game four. Who were they playing? Celtics. Was Celtics. It? Yeah, it was game four against the Celtics, and they're like, "We're texting a group chat. You're gonna play, Ben? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, you can't just put someone in game four of a playoff like situation. Like, I I don't I don't think in any scenario you just like, all right, Ben, here's your first game that you were supposed to look at playing game three. The the reports have been out. They kept pushing I know. back weeks and weeks. I know, he was but like playing game in the playoffs though, like. Yeah, and to be fair, Rick Buecher reported that. He stands by the report. He was very angry at some of the shit that came out. Shams Sharanya tried to say that never happened. Who's another... Is that how you say his name? Shams Sharanya? I've always read it on Twitter. I don't know how to pronounce it right. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. But the other thing is, Shams is in the pocket of Clutch. Like, you look at his report. like, And I'm not even blaming him. Like, that's a main source for him. So he goes with what they say. So, look, I don't... I'm not really sure what to believe on that one, but either way, the slippery slope of suddenly saying it's okay for a professional athlete to be like, oh, I can't handle the pressure. I'm having a mental health crisis. I'm going to take off work and you still have to pay me. That doesn't work, bro. It doesn't. Life is not. That doesn't work like that. That is not having like if you look at what's happening to Gabby Hanna right now online, that is a mental health crisis. She is having a and I mean this, I'm not saying this as an exaggeration. She's having a manic, psychotic episode. Something went seriously wrong. I don't know if it's substance related. I have no idea. But something is very, very wrong. From a human being perspective, I look at that and I go, oh my God, like, let's get her help. That is the type of thing that Ben Simmons is alleging. But all the while, he's dating his girl, throwing house parties at his house. Having a good fucking time playing pickup down at the Fittler Club in Philly. You know, watching the games, allegedly. And none of this was a problem until suddenly they wouldn't pay you. Oh, oh, but he even, once they started not paying him, he even showed up to Philly when he said he wasn't going to. And then he claimed all this stuff. And then he yeah. gets to Brooklyn. Going to pra- like, yeah, the videos of him Come just on. like at practice, but like. Come on, bro. And then, oh, oh he gets traded to Brooklyn and he can do the press conference day one. No problem. Face the media. I'm having a mental health crisis. But by the way, let me answer all questions. No problem. Ben 10, let's start. I just, there's something about someone taking advantage of people with legitimate mental health issues that will never fucking sit right with me. I agree with that. I agree with that. But yeah, I mean, Ben's, like, look, I'll be honest. If you're, if you're rooting against Ben Simmons, uh, like, I think you're going to have a good time because I don't think he's, he's done anything to benefit himself or his career in the past year plus. So like, you know, I don't think we're going to see much of him anymore. I think he's just going to kind of fade out. I think he's kind of mm. absolutely tarnished his image. Um, I, I don't, I think he's tarnished his reputation. He's all, he's already proved that he's a head case, right? Like it's, it's, it's hard enough for him to like even shoot a, a, yeah. a jump shot, right? Like he's not going to like what he's going to come out and be better. A new animal work hard. I just don't see that. Like, I don't see that from Ben Simmons. So I, I think uh, the the best is behind him. The the problem with him is that he was terif- he is terrified of failing at anything. He is not he is unwilling to try. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think I actually said it right for the first time there. He is not a natural shooter. That motherfucker shoots. Yeah, he shoots. He keeps going, baby. And now he can actually shoot a little bit, right? And he's a That's guy. what happens, man. And that's what happens in life, man. You just start trying something enough, you get kind of okay at it. Exactly. You don't get, you know, he's not going to win the three-point contest, but, you know, he's 
you know, MVP of the league, baby. Yeah, you're champion. You can't leave him unguarded on the three point line. Right. And so Ben doesn't have that upstairs. And I don't know. I don't know the hill. Like, he doesn't have that it. And, and the biggest thing, and I paid attention to this. I don't know why people don't talk about this all the time. He signed with Clutch Sports right in college before he was the number one pick. LeBron James used to talk about him all the time. Yeah, Young he, King. Remember that? Yeah, he Fresh was the Prince. mentor to yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, You know the last time LeBron James mentioned him in a post? I think it was All-Star Weekend 2020 when he was required to because all the Clutch guys took a picture at All-Star Weekend. After 2018, it di- it used to be all the time. Stories, posts, died down. Died down. because And LeBron's not going to say this, and that's perfectly fine. I understand that. But, you know, kid don't got it. Kid, He's like this guy. He used to say early on, this guy has the ability to be the next great one, the guy who can do it all. He don't got it, though. It's not up here. He don't want it. LeBron, LeBron, look, a lot of people give criticism to LeBron compared to Jordan and all that. LeBron did want it. LeBron works his fucking ass off. No, LeBron, yes. LeBron is has a Might champion, be the greatest ever play. Champion mindset, yes. That's certainly a debate. Yep. But it's it's absolutely like a respectable opinion to say LeBron's the greatest basketball player of all sure. time. Sure. And that's not Ben doesn't have that making. And the saddest part is Ben Simmons, when you take into account physical assets and on-court abilities from a raw perspective coming up into the league at age 19, could be the most talented person I've ever seen. You're, you're not wrong. There was, no, there was no reason why he shouldn't be a top five player to ever play the game. He'll never be a top 25 player in the league because he doesn't have it. I think he was a top 25 player. There was a point where I could argue he was 23rd, 24th, 25th. Sure. He won't be again, though. That's for damn sure. That's what you say, and I think you might be right about that. Yeah, I I just think it's facts. I just just don't see him. You know, what's he going to come out next year and just be like, I've been training hard, (laughs) working hard, like new Ben Simmons. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. The case a while back, there were two cases I was mentioning. We got into the Fetty Wap thing, though. Yeah. The other case that I tabled for a minute was the Henry Ruggs case. And the context was I tabled it because that was a state case that's in Vegas. He's the Raiders wide receiver who— Drunk drove, yeah. On video, BAC everything— Drove a car 125 miles, no, it was 156, I think, miles per hour. Yeah, crazy. On the Vegas freeway. It's like a Corvette, right? Yeah, last, whatever it was, it was some sports car. Last October, killed a poor girl. I mean, she, he burned her like a bonfire in a car. It was horrible. It's all on video. Again, they took his blood alcohol content at the scene. His lawyers keep delaying this case and fighting and losing on evidence to be allowed in there. And we are now almost a year out from when he committed the most obvious crime ever. And it's still not set for a trial date. How it's does not it set ju- for a trial yeah, date? I believe let me double check that. It wasn't like a month ago. Henry Ruggs trial date. Let's check that. Nope. No trial date. 
They made the last significant ruling where they have to allow the BAC on July 12th, but no trial date. And this is, again, video of his car driving, video of him sitting at the scene afterwards with the car burning in the background, evidence of the autopsy that proves that this girl and her dog were burned to death. They weren't dead when the fire started. It's one of the worst causes of death ever. And you have his blood out. I forget what it was, but it was high. His blood alcohol content was taken at the scene by the cops. It was high as fuck. How is he not on trial yet? I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, I don't know that you can definitively say, okay, he needs to be on trial in X amount period of time. Like we t- we talked about this a little earlier. We said you can waive certain rights. You can move to continue s- certain times. Um. Yeah, it seems like the way you presented it, it seems like a pretty open and shut case, and I'm sure it is. And I'm sure some of that is like deliberate, deliberate um, uh, postponement. I don't want to say, you know, I- I'm hesitant to say like deliberate, just like like delaying, because that's kind of not a like a good thing to just delay cases, and that's frowned upon, and you know, as far as lawyers and courts and and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean. You know, that case is a pretty sad case. I mean, he was uh, very under the influence, killed someone, um, and the outcome at trial is not going to be favorable to him. He's going to spend some time in jail. I think there's no way around that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, at this point, he has as much incentive. He's, he's probably paying his lawyers by the hour, and he's just like, all right, fight this, fight this, fight that. And the lawyers will, they'll do it, you know, and they'll, they'll advise him. I'm sure, like, a competent lawyer will advise him and say, look, I don't think we have a chance of, I, I don't think we have a good chance of winning this. I can fight this. I can argue this. I can do this. And he's probably, maybe he has some of that NFL money still, and he's saying, you know, fight this, do this. You know, it's it's a shame. I mean, it's 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 uh you know it's a shame that the the young lady lost her life. Um, oh, it's so it's so yeah. sad, man. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's a huge mistake that someone he had no previous record. He was a great. Everyone loved him. Great guy. Made an awful decision, and the craziest part is he makes the awful decision. But if you look at the facts of the case. If he had even been driving at like a not good rate, like speeding, 70. I mean, it's a car accident. She's probably fine. And he's going to, he actually probably will do like a month in jail or something. But like, you know, he might even play that season after an eight game suspension or something. Not to excuse any of that. But You think he'll play? No, 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 no. I'm saying if that happened. Dante Stallworth did uh, the same shit? No. Dante Stallworth did not. Well, Dante Stallworth. That should happen in Miami. Yeah. People get mad at the fact, oh, he only spent 30 days in jail. And if I were the victim's family, I might feel the same way. Do you know that Dante Stallworth slept overnight somewhere and then drove home in the morning and happened to be still slightly under the influence? Yeah, and I know exactly the road that he... In Miami. It was on MacArthur Causeway, which is a road... You must be crazy if you're walking on that road. I rode my bike on that one because there's a bike lane there. I rode my bike there once, and I was like, uh, it was like so sketchy. And like, and he, I think I don't think he, it was a hit and run too. He like stopped no, no, and no. rendered yeah. aid and like yeah. did all that stuff. He did kill someone though. It's it was unfortunate, and he was you know under the influence when he did it. It's a um, tough one. It's a tough yeah. one.
Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, that's one a lot of people thought about, but he was, again, another guy, zero record, well, well-loved dude, had all kinds of character witnesses in his favor, and he felt awful about it, feels awful about it to this day. And, you know, he's got to live with that. But holy shit was the intent not there on that. And there wasn't, it wasn't like... I, mean, I don't think like, the intent's there on either. Right? On any of them, but the difference is you're making the decision... It's a lot more like reckless type conduct right. when you're talking with, with Riggs right. than you are with Stallworth, man. Exactly, exactly. With his, it's tough. I, I actually, you know, he, I mean, he killed a guy, but it was hard for me to disagree with the decision because, again, he slept it off. And then, I mean, how many times, think about this. Serious question, and anyone out there listening can think about this too. How many times have you partied, slept somewhere, and then in the morning, you know, you're hung, you, you're hung over, right? You drive home. I ain't going to sit here and tell you I haven't done that. I'm pretty sure I've never been legally at the limit when I've done that. But do I know that for a fact of all my life, including high school? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, look. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I try, like, um, so, like, part of the reason I have a job is just because, like, so many people get in, like, drunk boating accidents, right? Mm. I don't think you'll ever be able to fix that. Like, because, like... (laughs) There's just too many variables on that one. Yeah. There's just too much. There's just like a road is like, all right, you have a stop sign. You have mm-hmm. a like pavement. You have this. You have that. There's no brakes on a boat. There's no like stop signs. There's. It's just like if the, you know, the water, uh, you know, the waves are different, whatever. Like it's just like. I don't know. It's just something. It's something I've always thought of because it's like pretty much everyone on a boat in Miami has like a, <laughs> has like a, a beverage, <laughs> unless you're going fishing. No, that's that's well, true. quite literally. Well, when I that mean, usually before happens. you're actually <laughs> right when you go to go fishing. Yeah, fine. that's fair. When that's you're fair. coming back from fishing, it's different. And weeds, the whole other thing too. Like that's. Can you get? D- do you see DWI cases of weed with boats? No, I haven't seen that. That's the way. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you know what's wild? I have some hot takes on weed. All right. right? Hit, hit me. First of all, I don't like, I'm not against weed at all. I think it should be illegal. I think everyone should do what they want. But people. You think it should be legal? Legal. Yeah, not yes. illegal. Okay. I think it should be legal. Yeah. For adults of, you know, 21 is an arbitrary age. I think it should be 18. Same with booze. But anyway. People always say that it's not like uh, no one, no one's ever died because of weed. That's just not true. If you Google, there's many accidents that happen because people just smoke too much weed, right? Right. And, and yes, people yes. just refuse to accept that, and they're like, "What? No, weed makes you a better driver." It's like, yeah, for some people, it for does. some people, yeah. for some people, yeah, I get it. If you're if you're stoned, you're like ten and two. You're on the wheel. Yep. You know, you're like super, like turn the music down, like super, like yep. check both ways ten times. You stop like five hundred feet in front of the stop sign. Like, I get that. That makes you a safe driver, right? Yes. I get that. Um, but 
the, if you look at the stats, some people definitely, and like especially like younger people, have gotten too high and like gotten in car accidents. Like if you just Google the stats, it's yeah, there. no, no, no. And I'm not. This saying, is a real thing. Yes. And I'm not saying like yes. I, I'm not even saying that you shouldn't even be able to drive like after smoking weed. I'm just saying that you shouldn't say that it hasn't ever happened. That's all I'm saying. That's yeah. all my. That what you just said is a separate conversation from. No one's ever died from weed consumption. Yes. I just wanted to get... Actually, yeah. I don't have yeah. any hot takes on weed. Um, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think that's and, a pretty right. fair take. I've I've been to states where it's legal before. Whatever. Shout out Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to Colorado on the first day it was legal. You can do... <laughs> you can make whatever... Whatever you may infer from that information, I've... You know, you can, you can refer, infer. You didn't break any laws. It's okay. Whatever, you know? <laughs> I don't no, know. It's, that's one of those things. It's like at this point on a consumption basis, the fact that it's not all 50 states legal is like, it's so stupid. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, it is it is what it is. But that's the one thing. It's like, there should be, like, people think it's like this. There's downsides to it. There's so many downsides to weed, which I don't, like, I, I hate when I've, like, I've t- said this to people before because... People are like, oh, weed helps me sleep. And I was like, if you do the research, and like you can, you can do the research right sure. now. Um, it You don't get any REM sleep when you're on weed. You don't. You don't get any REM sleep. If you look it up. It's I just, don't know that I've ever made this argument personally, so I don't have any attachment to it. But I, I believe you. I, I've yeah. never looked it up. It's like, so for one thing, it may help you go to sleep, but you don't get as restful of a sleep. So now you just got to weigh the options. And like I said that to someone and, and that person was like, what are you talking about? Like, like just got mad at me. I was like, look, like, I'm just trying to say it. Like, does I, it depend on the cut you use? I don't know. I, I, I know you don't get REM sleep on it. THC huh. like inhibits REM. And I know that it lowers sperm count for men. Really? Weed does. Yes. I didn't know that. There's, yeah. there's negatives to it, but I'm not trying to be like. <laughs> no, I know what people. You're I see people in the comments, whatever, getting like. Fuck like, that. Angry. Don't worry about I it. I just like yeah. to fucking have intelligent conversations. Yes. And just paint the whole picture, right? That's why I like talking with you. Yes. Because you're fair. You're yes. fair. But I think we should be legal and smoke weed if you want to. Yes. And it's not going to harm anything, really. Because you can. I'm not saying those same arguments you just made, but for plenty of things. You you can make the negative arguments with exactly. perpetual alcohol use. Yeah, staying up too late's not good for you. You know, I'm yeah. just saying, like, yeah, it's you know, <laughs> even what I mean? that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying you know, there's anything really that bad. I wonder so. if the eight sleep offsets the weed problems, though. I wonder if when you sleep on an eight sleep, you get deeper REM, even yeah. if you smoked weed. You gotta do some uh, empirical research on that one. I'm just saying, Mateo over at Eight Sleep has to take a look at this because he might get a new wave of customers. Yeah, in Colorado especially. Exactly. That's we're we're gonna table that one. But before I get you out of here, you're one of my China guys, looking Ooh. through China stuff. Oh, and you're I got one thing I wanted to bring. Please up. go ahead. Sorry, this is do it. All right. Europe energy crisis. Did you hear? You know what's going on with the Europe energy with crisis, Germany and Russia, and and all that, and all the gas, the yeah. the skyrocketing energy price. Did you hear what's happening in France? No, they're nationalizing their power companies, <clears throat> taking so, that shit. All right, socialism in France. You about have to my, fucking happen. You have my attention. Yep, that's it. It's Google it. It's what happening. What does that have to do with China? Nothing. But I just you know. So we're talking socialism, communism. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, France nationalization. I still like that you brought this up. Nationalization of en- it was all energy. You're saying the power companies, yeah. Okay. This is from Bloomberg. Good source. Good source on finance matters. Let's see. I wonder if this is written. But no, it's not. Okay. France offers big premium in quest for swift EDF nationalization. Investors are offered 12 euros a share by the government. EDF's problems have exacerbated Europe's energy crisis. So I'm guessing it's because shares are, are at historic lows or something. The French government offered a premium of more than, there it is, more than 50% to minority investors in electricité. The Francais, I I don't know if that's a French accent, but we'll try. Seeking a swift nationalization of the troubled company that is the backbone of the country's energy policy. The 9.7 billion euro, 9.9 billion dollars offer, which at 12 euros a share was at the upper end of expectations, is intended to bring the nuclear power generator back into full state ownership as soon as mid-October. This is from July 19, 2022, by the way, allowing the government to push ahead with long-term investments in carbon-free energy. Kevin Gallagher, thoughts? So right now, they pose it as like, hey, we're doing a business deal. Let's buy these shares from you. Oui, oui. Yeah. So like, I just wonder if that's how it's going to play. What if they're just like, no, no. What do you mean? Who's like, no? The energy company, right? Well, they're talking about the investors here, right? Is this the minor- so when they say minority investors, I don't want to fuck up the terms because maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. But minority investors are they referring to all like the mom and pop investors who own shares? If enough of them agree at a shareholder meeting, I don't know if it works the same in the French stock market though. I don't know either, but it sounds to me like it just sounds sketchy. the The bottom line is the theme is here. There is a strong let's say threat that yeah. nuclear energy and or I guess energy as a whole, like different companies here are going to be nationalized, as you said. Yeah. And that's how communism starts. That's how socialism starts. It's just like the government says, and it's always with the energy companies at first. It's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, let's take just the energy companies, just the oil companies. Let's take that first. And they're not taking it yet. I guess they're offering, but we'll see. I don't know. Offering. I, I thought this was super interesting in a, a story that I thought went kind of un, under the radar. I just wanted to bring it up on the pod. That's, Dude, I've heard, I, that's why I love you're here. I've yeah. never heard of this. This is wild. This is potentially what, but again, little devil's advocate here. France is already yeah. somewhat of a socialist country. There's a difference right? between socialist and welfare state. Yes, that's fair. So, all these when people say like, "Oh, whatever," like this this country's socialist, this country's socialist. No, they're still capitalist. They're just like a welfare state, right? They pay exorbitant taxes. They have exorbitant government benefits. Right. But in the end, you can still, you know, you can still open a business, right? A socialist country is the government just controls all the means of productions. Yeah, this is where the left meets yeah. meets the right. With things when you look at like the far extremes, and I, I would call that when you go pure social, that's a far extreme. Yeah. And it usually, usually devolves into a form of communism. Yes. And what happens is when you look at that with then like fascism, great example would be Russia, it ends up being the same thing in a different way, which is so interesting to me because, you know, we try to look at this stuff through certain lenses and then, you know, we're paying attention to one issue based on the label. 
maybe not paying attention to another issue and then we get caught with our pants down because it's like, oh, well, shit, that's kind of the same thing. What it all comes down to is who's got the GDP and where are the number one places we got to be paying attention to, right? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So this thing you sent me, though, maybe I'm misremembering this. Oh, did, shit. Did on, China on IG? Th- yeah, yeah. Did I send you something on IG? Did you send me something on I don't know if it was IG. The video? I, you sent me something. Maybe it was text IG. I don't know. There were a couple things. The one was like a stream lab that they've set. It yeah, looked like yeah. straight out of a Black Mirror episode. What was the deal here? I just sent you that on IG. but ba- So apparently in like China, <clears throat> as I understand it. You like, want to see something that looks like. Sorry, go ahead. You know how we have like um, like QVC or whatever in, in the US? Like we have like, you know, a, sh- a shopping channel. Yeah. All right. So like, well, like their Amazon is like kind of mixed with QVC, right? Where they have this like w- like weird kind of blended, like you go onto this website and it's constantly people using uh, products and like marketing products in these live streams, right? So their commerce, it's, it's like TikTok's, TikTok meets Amazon basically in China. And they have these giant like labs where it's just like all these like influencers in front of like, like, you know, like, like, hundred different like mini like screens right a filtered screen effectively too yeah yeah where they're all just like look at this new hairbrush look at this new like makeup and it's just like it's just like a factory of this stuff and they make like the one dude they were saying made billions from it all right i'm gonna stick this video on the corner if it ends up having copyrighted music you're gonna hear a skip and what i'll do is i'll stick the link to it in the description so you can watch it yourself but this is an example of what you were just saying yeah it's wild here we go all right, let me turn up the volume here. Give me one sec. There we go. Boom. Something that looks like it's right out of Black Mirror. <laughs> what you just saw is a stream factory in China. Apparently, there are over 700 million e-commerce live streamers in China who make a living from commerce streams on websites like Taobao, which is the Chinese equivalent to Amazon. There are streamers like Austin Lee Jiaxi, also known as the Lipstick King, who had a seven-hour live stream where he tried on 380 different lipsticks and sold over $1.9 billion US in product. So obviously, this can be very lucrative, although it's not for everybody, but for obvious reasons, it's a very desirable career for a lot of people, which is where these influencer incubators come in. Companies set up to groom, train, and manage potentially like commerce streamers. Some are obviously going to be a lot more professional than others, but seeing as this one looks like it was set up in an abandoned parking lot, well, I'll leave that for you to decide. <laughs> but because some of these women don't have the money to pay for their own phone, equipment, makeup, and products, they'll go to factories like this where everything they need for is paid by whoever's in charge, and then they'll spend 8 to 14 hours every single day just live streaming different products. That is all for this video, but if stuff like this interests you and you want to see more like it, I'd really appreciate it if you click the plus. Thank you. And they do... I wonder if, like, they're... To play a little devil's advocate here of, like, a lot of places are doing something like this. What about, like, in the U.S.? What fucking show was that in that I'm thinking of where it showed it? You don't see it on the internet when you see this shit in like on, like, porn sites and stuff. But where where these girls will stream and shit of, like, they'll do, like, a stream of, like, them touching themselves and whatever. And, like, people watch it. And I'm not talking OnlyFans. I'm talking, like, when they're literally sitting in front of a camera and... I can't remember what show showed it, but when you zoom out, there's 50 rooms right there or 50 beds and all these girls are next to each other doing the same thing. It does. It's not a hell of a lot different than that. And I'm yeah, talking about shit that happens me. in America. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, if there's money and there's like ways to exploit this shit, like 
Yeah. What's wild to me is like, so in China, it's clearly popular. Like you go onto like an Amazon website, instead of just seeing products there, you have live streams of people using these products and marketing these products. Shit, like we, like we should jump on that like i mean seriously like it's gonna come here man like that's just where it's gonna come like you yeah. know like eventually you're gonna have dudes just like you know like some dude trying on lipstick sold 1.9 billion. billion i don't think we can even fathom like how like it's absurd what's that what's the like revenue for like revlon or something like i wonder what their yearly revenue is and they did he probably he did that like a, like a good chunk of that in just seven hours right that's i wild. wonder how much the how much cost the individual products let's say he was selling three products i wonder how much they each cost how much did he net like were think? they twenty dollars a piece were they thirty dollars a piece and then extrapolate that across a 1.4 approximately billion chinese population how many people would have had to buy it to get to his 1.9? If you have network effects and you have a huge following. And then also if you do one of those things like, I'll keep the stream going as long as another person buys a product. Because yeah. people do that shit. Like, so then you just like keep it going. Like, I'll try on another lipstick. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I Man, I can't even begin to pretend like I understand that culture and like what that is. But all I know is like, look, we're we're going like down as a society as far as like attention span and yeah. just like get, i need to be immediate like always fucking like stimulated and satisfied so like i won't be surprised if in two years you log on to amazon and it's just the same shit but they said they're doing that in like an empty parking lot or something yeah i mean this is the same country that in geographics i forget the exact comparison between the u.s it's a little bigger than the u.s for maybe a, significantly bigger than the u.s in like square miles or whatever but either way 1.4 billion versus 350 million densely populated this is the same country as building fucking cities that are desert towns with no one in them is like an idea because the state has all the money and then like some of them just never get used and they're like ah we'll just knock everything down i mean there's some wild shit going on there and you got to remember only what is it they've hacked your phone by now I mean, what are the dude? I'm worth eighty five hundred dollars. I'm in fucking Jersey. If you're worried about me, I, I salute. God bless. Do what you got to do. You want to whack me? I'm not worth anything. I got no family yet. Good time to do it. Knock yourself out. Like I, I, I don't have time for this bullshit. But there are people who are actually important, unlike me. Who I do wonder what kind of security they have because maybe they actually are a threat. You know, to like True. talking about somebody. If I get a couple <clears throat> videos of twenty million, it's still like. A fucking one video, right? It doesn't do much. But guys who are who have enormous platforms who are talking about this a lot, I wonder what kind of precautions they take. You know, they're not as desperate as I am to look at them. I got people like telling me, like, oh, just do it to do it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But, you know, the power that the reach of cybersecurity has now, cyber lack of security has is it's nutty and it's not just russia of course it's as you were starting this off with china's a concern and shit like that i mean you know? it's the it's the biggest concern and i've we every pod i feel like Agreed. i've been on we we talk this um yeah china is just they're just like obsessed with like undermining the u.s and undermining like any other country that gets in the way you know you were the guy who alerted me about their official social credit system when you did that i had never looked into it really, really knew nothing now it's a main you know people yeah. talk about it a lot you know in relation to things but there was another video this was a while ago i just saw this when i pulled up the other one because i was going through 
DMs. You remember this one behind you? Oh, the cameras. Yeah. yeah you see, all right. I'm going to play. If the, Again, if this has copyrighted music, you're going to hear a bump, and we're not going to play it on the podcast, but I will put the link in the description in that case. Otherwise, it's going to be in the corner. But Jesus Christ. Dude, so that in and of itself is scary enough, but what scares me is like, and I guess we can, we're going down this road. Let's do it. Is, um... The fact that, like, with digital currencies, so, like, if, if the U- mm. the U.S. Treasury dropped a, a digital currency or, like, we just all switched to digital currency, the fact that, like, and I'm sure this happens in China. I think they could just, like, freeze your bank accounts or whatever. But, like, like if you go to an all-digital currency that's controlled by the state, then they're just going to stop you from spending that on on things that are, like, you know what? You, you are not socially worthy enough to spend your money in this way. You have to spend it here. Like... Like you go to buy like whatever you buy like you know, say say you're like overweight and you go to buy like a pack of bacon and they're like eh, meh, like sorry you can't buy this like there's just like infinite ways that that could just go off the rails and and yeah I mean the fact that they have 700 million cameras if this video is true I don't know the authenticity of this video and I don't think China's just putting the stats out there please check that out people I will check it out myself yeah. after but we're watching live, yeah man. I mean it's just a random like IG thing I saw but yeah it's uh yeah yeah wow so that that actually quite literally and I, I'm not somebody whenever I've watched a Black Mirror episode I'm very impressed it's a great show I've never sat down and, like watched the series what you just said is quite literally a Black Mirror episode though I've seen it where like there's a I think it's like a red-haired woman she keeps on getting turned down because she ripped somebody or something like that she got mad at someone in an airport it started that way and then she wasn't allowed to buy a ticket and then she it affected her everywhere and you see all these different credit scores popping up around people so it's kind of scary how accurate that is but the CBDC's argument is <sighs> dude there there was a podcast Rogan did the Saturday before the Ukrainian invasion. That's how I remember when it was. It was with Majid Nawaz. I hope I'm saying that right. That guy is a brilliant dude from the UK. There's a whole backstory with him too. And he speaks very fast. So you may have to listen to some things twice because he's moving at a million miles a minute. But that podcast has some of the most important information in it from a publicity perspective you'll ever hear on a podcast depending on how things turn out here but he talked all about the cbdc's and what it would allow these governments to do should they defeat things like bitcoin and the entire crypto space with psyops and stuff like that right because they view the digital world the same way we do in its inevitable move to that we're already in the midst of it and they want to get out in front of it so when you look at things that happen like the collapse of some of the crypto quote-unquote projects that we saw and some of their collateral that happen to be tied to uncontrollable things like bitcoin hmm that hits your head and you go huh i i wonder what's at play here because i've always said this and believe me, I'm sure I'm parroting a million people who say it a different way or perhaps the same exact way. But once a government doesn't control money, what do they control? You're right. Not shit. So if you're saying that this right here is tied into something like that, 
I don't know, man. That's that's a dark, dark potential future impossibility to me. China ain't going nowhere. We just got to stop them from like taking over Taiwan. Honestly, that's our biggest. That's the biggest victory we could practically hope for. Twenty twenty four. China's going to take Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, they're they're certainly acting like they're about to. Yeah. They're ramping up. They're like doing military exercises right over Taiwan airspace. Like, yeah, and like they're pretty much not like they're they're pretty much saying that they're like they're actively maintaining that like Taiwan is part of the People's Republic of China. <laughs> Scary times, man. Scary times, but. I enjoyed this as always, brother. It's sure. great to have you in here when you're in town. We got a great breakdown of the Young Thug case tonight, among other yeah, things. Yeah, man, you got to come out to Miami sometime, bro. I know. I can't wait. Get on the boat, bro. I can't fucking wait. Boats in Miami. I'm in. Right yeah, there. we out here, bro. We'll hit the. What was that? What was the rap lyric with with the Delano from? I j- was that a Puff Daddy song? It was. Uh, I just bought the Delano. That's it. By, by P. Diddy. We're going to get Bungalow 8. We'll, we'll be good. Yeah. We'll be straight. It's good I'll stuff. show you some better spots, bro. I Oh, listen. There's some other great spots, too. I'm just saying that's a good, like, home station. Hey, hey. You got, hey. It's right next to the beach bar. You got bar, your, your format that works. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, they come right in there. They serve you. They get everything loaded like a buffet. You know? There's people coming in and out. Man. Hey. No problem. Hey. No problem. It's good vibes, man. Get Nico back down there too. Have a good time. Yeah. Good shit. Man. We'll do it. All right, brother. Thank you as always. All right. We'll see sure, you again man. soon. Dab it up. Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace.